This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. This is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open. Thank you! You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 151. I'm Nick Howell. And uh, dropping the mic like Jimmy Uso, I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and Whoa. welcome to the show. And uh, yeah, Gregard much? Yeah, Jimmy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, here we are, Nick. We are back again. We had a great week of programming this week. I have to say, Raw and SmackDown were very, very entertaining. Possibly the best Raw of the year this week. And in addition, I can really only say this. The New Japan G1 has absolutely lost its mind. Uh, it's lost its mind. Within the course of two shows, everything's just gone straight to hell. Anyone who, if you had your, if your brackets aren't busted at the G1 right now, then you're either Gato himself or you're have you have a psychic connection with him because stuff's crazy over there. NXT is building up for Takeover Toronto. There's all kinds of good stuff to talk about, Nick. But let, before we do that, let's do some housekeeping. And then we'll get into the rest of the show. Yes, uh, guys, a little bit of extra housekeeping today because we have some juicy announcements. If you stuck around to the end of the show last week, you heard a special surprise uh, regarding our uh, YouTube subscriber drive that we're doing between now and the time that the WWE airs SmackDown Live on Fox on October 4th. All right? What that means, if you heard... <laughs> What that if you can get us to a thousand subscribers by the time we get to by the time SmackDown Live airs on Fox on Friday nights on October fourth, Sir Ian Dangerous is going to sing Tai Chi's theme song in Japanese at karaoke. Record it, and it will go up on YouTube for everyone to see. Uh, I just got I, sick again. I told him I think we could do better if we get to a thousand by the end of August. Today is August first. If we get to this by the stroke of midnight going into September 1st, then I, in addition, I will also get up and sing Nia Jax's theme song oh. at karaoke and be recorded. So we got 30 days if you want to get both. To help you along the way, we kicked off today a new campaign that we're doing at Busted Wide Open called the Busted BWO Monthly Merch Giveaway. 
And what that is, is it's a campaign that we do through a site called Gleam. You go there and you just confirm that you're following us on all of our socials and subscribed here to the YouTube channel. And voila, you get a bunch of entries into a random giveaway every single month for a BWO grab bag of merch that's t-shirts, stickers, a chub cup, coffee mug. It could be a variety of things. We're going to switch it up on you every month. But yes, to get entered into that uh, random drawing, you have to go and follow, check all those boxes. The link is in the BWO group, and I'll have it in the description of this video uh, so you can find it, and we'll be blasting it across all of our socials all throughout the month. So pay attention to that so that you can get in on some merch. Like I said, you definitely want to be in the Busted Wide Open discussion group over on Facebook. It is the hub of our operation and where we make all of these big announcements first and foremost. Uh, You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram, which you will need to do for the giveaway uh, at at BWO Podcast. If you're watching us live right here on YouTube, thank you. Thank you for joining in today. Uh, Sorry about the technical difficulties. We were trying some new stuff, but... Not today, not today, Uh, but be sure you're subscribed to us right here on YouTube. Make sure you hit that notification bell so you also get notified anytime we have any new events go up, new uh, video footage that we're going to be starting doing some more of uh, here very soon. But yeah, lots of stuff going on at the BWO HQ. Thank you guys for hanging in there with us. Uh, Ian, I am ready to talk about some of the wrestling. Oh, are you? We are getting closer it's huge right now. We're getting closer That's to good, SummerSlam. I'm, I'm still over here shuddering at the idea that I may have to sing Tai Chi's theme song. <laughs> I'm still in shock. I'm trying to hear it in thing. my head, and I can't. I'm going to have to go look it up. Oh, it's it's just you want, as bad you as you think it is. you want to give us a little sample? No, I don't. Instead, <laughs> what I want to do is head on over, Nick, and talk about the big news. Well, we have to start off the show today with a little bit of somber news, but it is... It's, it's important. It's important That's to talk about the important. fact that we lost Harley Race today. Today. To, literally today. I mean, li- within the past few hours, it was announced. Yeah, we were actually going to do like a joke segment, I think, for the big news today where we're talking about the, uh, the new skip intro function in the WWE Network. Uh, and we just scrapped that entirely because this is, a, this is about as important as it gets in terms of uh, passings. Harley Race was... One, I mean, when you talk about the term legend, I'm going to quote Lance Storm here. When you talk about the term legend, it's reserved for people like Harley Race. It's, yeah. it's why it shouldn't be overused. This is a legend. This is one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time, full stop. Um, and to, to even try to summarize his career would be, I think, a disservice to the man and to what he did. Um, but you can certainly just you know mention some highlights in the fact that the the guy is in pretty much every Hall of Fame there is WWE NWA uh, Pro Wrestling the uh, uh, the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame like he's in he's in every, like everyone that I can think of plus some that like I've never even heard of uh, Missouri Sports Hall of Fame St Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame Stampede Wrestling Hall of Fame uh, eight time NWA champ so that yeah. He was a uh, he was the guy opposite Ric Flair at the Starcade Flair for the gold. I mean, absolutely all time legend. One of the only people that Andre the Giant was legitimately scared of. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a hard dude. That's a hard guy right there. It was pretty much him and Haku were the only guys that Andre was like, I don't want to mess with them. Um, just a just a bad badass dude. And uh, I don't know when you first became aware of him, Nick. Um, I remember as a kid 
when he was feuding with uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Duggan, yeah. In, in WWE, 80s. yeah. Yep. The king, he was, when he was the king, when he was the uh, uh, king, Harley Race. And like he made, remember when he made a junkyard dog kneel after he beat him at WrestleMania 3? I didn't see that when it first happened, but I do remember uh, him and Jim Duggan having a feud back in the day yeah. and thinking that like, uh, like I couldn't put my finger on it, but he scared the crap out of me as a kid. Like he just seemed like a dude I would not want to mess with. That was my first, like my, my childlike impression of the man, um, which I think is kind of, that is what a classic professional wrestler should be is just a dude that makes you think he can kick ass and Harley race absolutely could. He could kick your ass. That's true. That is true. Uh, I think the thing that's most, most foundational for me uh, as a fan is the fact that nearly every single superstar that I've grown up with over the last 30 years watching cites Harley Race as an inspiration of some sort. Yep. Like you're going to be hard-pressed to find someone that did not find inspiration, learn something from, get guidance by. All He was one of those influential individuals that... You know, are you, we've we've done our Mount Rushmore of the WWE. Uh, I'm kind of sad and ashamed that he, you know, didn't make that. Uh, but uh, he absolutely should. I think, uh, and I we, think we, we put it on our honorable mentions, if I'm remembering. Yeah, right. no, we absolutely. He was at the top of our honorables, and it's just it was just I think a personal thing, and the fact that you know when you talk about the all time wrestling legends, he like just edges out of the top four, right. I think. But it depends on who you talk to. It depends on who you know where where you grew up. If you're from you know, mid south or, or whatever, you you might very well put Harley Race at the top. So, um, yeah, yeah. So you know, he's always in the conversation for one of the greatest, the greatest of all time. So, rest in peace, Harley Race. That is a, a tragic, tragic loss, and I really don't think we should put anything. Out. This is this should just be standalone by itself. It is the big news of the week, um, and just you know, Nick, I I have got nothing else to say. I'm kind of speechless. It, it, that's well, that's one that stings. Yeah, that's that, one that stinks for sure. Um, such because we saw it coming. We mentioned it a few weeks ago that he was uh, he might have lung cancer. He might not have lung cancer. It turned out that he did, and that that's what he was in the hospital for. Uh, and he passed away today. So I think Nick, let's just leave that as it is. Uh, shout out to his family and and our best to them. Um, and rest in peace, Harley Race. Rest in peace, and Harley let's, Race. Let's move on over and uh, get into the rest of our weeks. There's plenty more to talk about. With a, with a tear in my eye, let's go talk about Monday Night Raw. So, uh, things got a little dicey this week. Um, <laughs> a little bit. Holy and smokes. much like the G1 got a little out of control, this stuff, uh, the SummerSlam, Road to SummerSlam, started getting a little bit chaotic as well this week. That's one of the themes that I noticed across the WWE as we got we, we moved forward. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that happened here, and I want to let you're much better at running through down this stuff but at, <laughs> than I oh, am. Why don't, Brett, open this up for us. Thanks, how, did, how did we get into trouble here? Well, I mean, it depends on which particular thing you're talking about. I'm going to start with, so there was, there was the, the kerfuffle that ended the show, and then there's the thing that's on everyone's lips. There's, there's the big moment that's on everyone's lips, and that's what Brock Lesnar did to Seth Rollins. I'm going to start with that. He was that boy's ass. That's what good I'm going to say. Good Lord. Good Lord. Okay, so this just was, we had a match between Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins, which, off the, you know, when you first had it, you're kind of, eh, okay, 
you shrug. All right, it'll probably be a good match. They've had good matches in the past, uh, except for that one uh, best of, you know, who, who uh, what do you, why am I spacing on this? Who can get most pinfalls match that they had where they went down to the wire and it was just completely obvious. They've had, they can, they work well together is what I'm trying to say here, Nick. They work well together. So off the bat, you're like, all right, it'll be a fine match. Here's the thing. Here's what no one expected is towards the end of the match as they were just starting to heat up. Brock Lesnar's music hits, and instead of it being a false flag and no one coming out, nope, there comes Brock Lesnar, and Seth, looking like he's in the, the gaze of a, a pouncing lion, is ready to, to attack back on it. No, 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 no. Dolph Ziggler grabs his leg and holds him down until Brock gets his hands on him, and then it's just an absolute mauling. From there, he takes F5s against the ring posts. He takes F5s onto the backs of chairs. It was just a, it was a murder in the ring to the point where they actually had a close-up of Seth Rollins coughing up blood by the end of this segment. And just when you thought it was over, and after this was all done, and Paul, Paul Heyman had to go to Brock Lesnar and beg him to stop hurting Seth Rollins, begged him with fear in his eyes, and finally Brock walked away. Seth's getting loaded into the ambulance. Brock is standing in front of the ambulance, tells it to stop, gets in the back of the ambulance, pulls Seth out, and F5s him again on an overturned gurney. Um, This is probably one of the most violent beatings we've seen in WWE in recent memory. Nick, this is is probably... What was different about this to you? Because it's one of the things a lot of people are saying was this was a different kind of violence. And there's two things I want you you to think about here. One, when when you talk about this. One, Vince just recently said that WWE doesn't do blood and guts. That's an AEW thing, right? He made that <laughs> that distinction. Right. Um, so was this blood and guts or was this just violent in another way? Why did this feel more brutal than some of the violence we've seen in WWE over the last few years? I'm not going to pretend that there's, uh, there's not a difference in Dustin Rhodes blading and bleeding all over the damn ring and turning the entire mat red with his blood. But you're yep. painting the mat with his blood. Uh, and Seth Rollins spitting up a, a a little bit of blood, right? The violent part of this for me was the F5s onto the back of the chair. Like, how do you not... Even even as safe of a worker as those guys might be, somebody's getting hurt. When you're, when you're coming down on your ribs onto a chair like that, mm, I don't know. So yeah. for Vince to say, we're not blood and guts, yeah, you spit up a little bit of blood, whatever. It happens. People bust their lips. It's fine. It's fine. Whatever. That I'm not too worried about. Um, I like this to build the intensity. I like a, I like some good ass whipping, you know, getting hands on each other, getting physical physicality as we head into SummerSlam. This feels like it's more intense than the WrestleMania match. You know, there, there's... There, oh, just, by a long way. Yeah. This, feels, this is the most intense we've ever seen Brock and Seth I don't together. know. He, Brock kind of whooped his ass at, at Mania. Like, so, Not like this. Not like... Well, yeah, I mean, he had some welts and stuff. This, they made this... They sold this like he broke Seth's ribs and the shards of those rib bones went into his lungs. You had the announcers, even Corey Graves, saying it was completely inappropriate, that it was horrific. The way the announcers sold it, the way that Paul Heyman sold it when he was telling Brock to stop. Paul Heyman begging off Brock was like, you never see that, right? So this is is what I was going to say about it, is that the reason this felt different was how they sold it. And I thought it was yeah. brilliant in how they made it feel like a bigger deal. And I I really honestly do feel this is the this is that Heyman touch. 
here is him coming along and saying, you know how you make this feel real? By adding these little elements. It's just, it's the details. It's what we always complain about here, Nick, is all it takes is just the right details in the right place and you completely change the aspect of a segment. And that was how it was here. Having Paul Heyman with open fear in his eyes, grabbing Brock and telling him to stop. And that and look in his face like, oh my God, you're actually going to kill him. You might actually murder him or cause permanent damage. The way that the, uh, the announcers sold it, the verbiage that they were using, that all built up to make this feel more intense than it might otherwise have. Um, and for, for my money, the sickest bump was the one on the, on the overturned gurney. That mm. didn't like with the chair, I could see how Seth could protect himself. That I just, I'm like, that just had to have sucked. So regardless, uh, moving forward, Nick, do you see that this is going to be something they're going to call back to in the SummerSlam match? Because they've already started saying that Seth Rollins refuses to reveal the diagnosis once he got to the hospital, like what his status is. Do you think this is their way out of having Seth win at SummerSlam where Brock can retain because Seth is just so incredibly still messed up? So what or is this going to be we, overcome? Are we continuing this beyond SummerSlam? Like- <laughs> Possibly. Possibly, like I, I'm like I've been speculating that they might want to keep the babyface win until closer to Fox, and have that be their big push to Fox is you know having their final boss be beaten once we're on the network. Given um, Fox's history, I can totally see them wanting. Yeah, I mean, no, Fox is going to be get SmackDown, so it's kind of irrelevant to the Universal Title, in my opinion. Am I, am I wrong there in thinking that way? No, there is rumors that they're going to actually make the brand split to more hard and fast brand split again once they get onto TV. But I, I just, I'm trying to think why they would want to delay this. I don't even know why they put it back on Brock at this point in the first place. I don't either. I, I do. Giving but, him yeah, the, the damn money time. in the bank contract was the stupidest thing I've seen. It was almost, actually it was dumber than giving it to Braun Strowman last year. Yeah. It was, I, I, we both agree on that, Nick. That's, we've, that's a point we've made at this on the show a few times. But that being said, Brock has it now. Brock is the universal champion. Can we at least take a positive out of this and say, one, at least he showed up on TV, and two, looked great doing so. And, and 2.5, has Brock felt like this much of a monster final boss in a while? Like he, This is as good as I feel he's felt as, in terms of like a terrifying final boss. Because I, I, don't, I don't think there's any faith in the current roster of what's going on. It's you bring Brock out and have him do that to somebody. It levels up what else, whatever else has been going on. That's kind of somewhat average. Yeah. Right? If you look at your top two champions, it's it was Seth Rollins and Kofi Kingston and Becky Lynch, and they were about as enigmatic as you know, average. Yeah. But you bring in big honking hoss dudes that just throw people around and beat the hell out of. That's WWE's brand. That's their style. That's Vince McMahon. And it, frankly, it's one of the things that I fell in love with, with wrestling a long time ago. It's why I love hoss, mass- hoss matches and big dudes. <laughs> I like big dudes that can come in and throw people around and do feats of strength that, I, that average people cannot do. The problem with the current roster, yes, it's a bunch of flippy shit and it's high-flying and it's exciting, but it's kind of just there. It's kind of average. And it's more well, soap to, opera than, it, than sports. That's okay. I'm going to argue that and say that soap opera has always been 
what it is. And the flippy stuff has nothing to do with what the fact that it feels average. You even got a guy like Seth Rollins who really has no defined character other than his opposition. And that's a classic babyface problem when you have a babyface that really isn't defined other than his opponents. It's why there's more great heels in history than there are great babyfaces. Yeah. Uh, is that it's easier to define a heel character. It's much harder to define a babyface. And so you have guys like Ricochet or, or right now Seth Rollins uh, or even to some extent Roman Reigns who are just kind of there and they're just happy to be there. You know what I mean? But they don't really have a defined character beyond that. Um, so that might be more what you're, what you're looking at here. Yeah. Um, but this definitely makes Seth much more uh, em- empathetic than he was before. So, you know, in that sense, it works. Uh, Nick, before we move on, I do want to point out real quick, Dolph Ziggler, before his match with Seth, came out to Shawn Michaels' music, and he cut a promo where he was both baiting Michaels and Goldberg. He hasn't been able to keep Goldberg's name out of his mouth for the last week or so. And uh, I'm really actually going to do this right now. I'm actually really mad at Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer because, damn it, Nick, if we did this show two days earlier in the week, I would have said, right after I saw uh, SmackDown, I would have said, oh, I know it's going to happen at SummerSlam now. But, damn it, Alvarez, this is a funny thing. Alvarez apparently said what I was thinking, which was, man, Dolph Ziggler's been saying Goldberg's name a lot. He's probably going to have a match with Goldberg. And this match with The Miz that they're setting up is probably like a, a ruse or a red herring. And then WWE called the Wrestling Observer guys and said, how did you know what we were going to do? Who told you? Because they thought that they had actually said that that was what was, was going to happen and not just speculated. I was going to speculate the same damn thing, Nick. It's because they listen to the podcast. I know. I know. Well, they listen to my thoughts. But anyway, Dave <laughs> Meltzer and, and Alvarez got to it for us. Damn it, Nick. But yes, it does seem like Dolph is baiting Goldberg because they are heading to a match at SummerSlam. And in fact, I believe it's been made official, um, or at least it's it's been confirmed that that is what is going to be happening, is Ziggler versus Goldberg at SummerSlam. I don't think it's been uh, brought out in kayfabe on the shows yet, but that's what's going to happen. Which, let's just do this now. Let's not wait till SmackDown. What the? What do you think about Ziggler Goldberg here? Awful. Uh, oh, okay. Awful. Are I don't want to see just, Goldberg. You're burned out after what he did at uh, with with Undertaker. You don't want to see anymore. No, well, let, let's put that aside for a second. I don't want to. I want to see Goldberg whoop the shit out of Brock Lesnar. I want to see big boys doing big boy stuff. That's what was so great about Strowman and, and Lashley recently. You don't you don't see him him and Ziggler spear jackhammer one two three in thirty seconds. You it's don't want to see that. It's done. It's over. He won't be able to get up off of him or off him <laughs> under him. So I mean, what's the point? Come on, man. Just somebody I, I, just I, I give agree. Goldberg a paycheck so he can go on into retirement. I, I I I agree with the what's the point aspect of this is okay. Dolph Ziggler his, his new character is like he screams and is annoying, and then Goldberg's gonna come along and shut him up. Whoop-de-doo. If they're trying to get some sort of redemption for Goldberg for uh, what happened with his Undertaker match, I don't know if this is the way to do it, Nick, but I guess it is SummerSlam. They're trying to make a big show, so maybe that's what the thought is. I don't know. Not a fan. There are are several people's music that I still, to this day, kind of geek out for. Uh, You know, of course, Undertaker, (laughs) you know, Goldberg, his entrance... The whole thing, of, yeah. you just hear him behind the, in the locker room in the trade room, Headba- screaming, headbutting the door and giving himself a concussion. Well, he yeah. shouldn't be headbanging doors, but I, I love hearing the, ah! just you know, <laughs> spitting and just uh, inhaling the smoke for ten years, just and just ah! and the pyro, just ah! 
And I felt the same way. I was the same way about Batista. You know, there was that video going around of Xavier Woods when Batista came out. out. WrestleMania, yeah. Just that was one of those, right? Yeah. Uh, I still geek out when I hear it, but I don't want to see him have a match with Dolph Ziggler. I could care effing less. Well, at least you'll get the entrance, Nick. So there is that. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, But something else that I did like this week was the, quote, Samoan Summit. So while in the background of seeing uh, Seth Rollins getting carted away in the ambulance, we saw a scuffle break out between Roman Reigns, Samoa Joe, the Usos, and the OC for some reason. Uh, And this carried on to the ring. Joe went out to the ring and called out Roman Reigns. They were supposed to just get out there and have a talk, I guess. But uh, (laughs) Joe said, none of that. Let's just keep this fight going. Roman came out, and a giant scuffle started happening. Drew McIntyre showed up for it. Cedric Alexander showed up for it. Everyone's just tussling all over the place. They got up by the uh, the announcer's desk on the ramp, and Cedric Alexander, for some reason, got up on the Titantron and jumped off on everybody, and it was just it was a madhouse. It did end up with Roman Reigns and the Uso super kicking and spearing Samoa Joe. Joe gets laid out in the middle of the ring. All the other good guys Samoans celebrate. Uh, yay, happy way to end the show. But was this... So two things, Nick. Was this kind of was this chaotic segment? Was this as fun for you as it was for me? And should this have ended the show, or should this have gone earlier in the show? I think it should have gone earlier, uh, or at least have one more thing afterwards that kind of buttons something up. But look, we we've got another week. You know, we've got another a week to go. We've got the go home shows. Uh, maybe it can be carry on into next week, and we can figure out the deal there. I, I'm not mad at it. I'm not upset about it. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I thought this segment was one of the better things that happened in WWE this week. So I, it, it, I enjoyed it. I'm not mad at it. But I think it could have. They could have had one more thing. You know, maybe that scuffle of everybody finish it finalizes down to two guys. Maybe it ends up being, you know, Roman and Samoa Joe or something. Well, this like was the that. question I had was. What are the feuds everyone's heading into here? There's there's a root movie. We'll, we'll talk about this on SmackDown. I yeah. don't think Roman's going to end up in a feud with Samoa Joe. No. Uh, the I only wish. feud I see coming out of this, if the Usos and the OC end up continuing their feud, we'll talk about that in a second as well. And that's a possibility. The only one we know of for sure is that Drew McIntyre will inexplicably be facing Cedric Alexander at SummerSlam, which, great for Cedric. Um bizarre for drew mcintyre i know that they've they've built up a bit of a, a a thing between them over the last few weeks but it it seemed a little bit slight to suddenly become a SummerSlam match um the only thing i can really say here we knew we we heard that uh when Heyman came to raw there were certain superstars that he wanted he wanted to get his hands on he wanted to work with creatively do you suspect cedric alexander might be a paul Heyman guy mm, oh i hadn't even thought about that yet yeah, I, I need to process that. Good, that well, has a lot of implications. Well, process while I explain okay. because you know Cedric wasn't used for a couple of weeks. Paul Heyman takes over. All of a sudden, Cedric is the guy who gets put out there as uh, as the partner for Roman Reigns, the masked partner. He gets unmasked and has a huge babyface pop, um, and has been used consistently since then as a ricochet like babyface. Um, I would I would say that he's following like a ricochet Ali, those kind of like exciting flying around baby faces that they're starting to use now. Cedric all of a sudden is one of those and they're giving him big spots like the jump off the Tron earlier and they're putting him with a top guy in McIntyre. And I I mean, that's going from zero to a hundred for this guy who we we thought was just disappearing a couple of weeks ago. Paul Heyman takes over all of a sudden Cedric is relevant. Hmm. 
So it's your theory that Cedric or that Paul sees the, the money high, sees a lot of money in Cedric Alexander. Yeah, I, we that's all my have, theory. We all have for a couple of years now. Uh, so well, it's because he's a Charlotte boy for you. I know that's uh, you're you're yeah, partial. <laughs> have to, have to. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not reading too much into it just yet. I think it's fun for Cedric to get a few spots and maybe something different than chasing the 24 seven herd around. You know. Yeah, which uh, speaking let's see of what which, gets made out of it. I agree. Let's see what happens. I, I'm not mad at it so far. It's bizarre for Drew, but I'm not mad at it. But speaking of the 24-7 championship, Nick, the Raw opened this week with the 24-7 championship on the line. This was There was a lot of 24-7 going on this week. And so let's, let's, uh, let me break it down and we'll talk about it because there's a lot to discuss. First of all, we had a uh, mixed gender tag match between Drake Maverick and his wife and uh, R-Truth and Carmella which uh, was surrounded, it was, it was called a mosh pit match, which last time I checked was a lumberjack match, but whatever, fine, Mo- okay, mosh pit match. Sure. Um, after the match, R-Truth ends up beating Drake Maverick, he stands tall with the belt, and all of a sudden 24-7 rules are back in effect, everyone around the ring jumps him, and who comes out of the pile with the championship, but Mike Kanellis, who then runs off to the back, and uh, immediately finds his psycho pregnant wife Maria, who said, who, who, okay, a lot of stuff happens here. Everyone's chasing him around. He ends up in a room with Maria and she says, get down on the ground, lie on your back. And she immediately puts her, her, I don't know. So I don't think Kevin Dunn maybe have a foot fetish because she puts her uh, high heel on his chest, counts three. All of a sudden she's the champ walks out of the room. All the mid carters are standing out there uh, waiting to jump whoever comes out of the room. And she basically gets in everyone's face and goes, I'm a pregnant champ. What are you going to do? And I wish I could have sold that in the way that she did it, which was a little bit higher pitched and crazier, Nick. Um, grating, grating, in, 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 uh, to put it mildly. You better start working but, on that if you're going to uh, sing Tai Chi's entrance song. What, grating? No, being, being able to sing a little higher pitch. Oh, no, he's, he's, he's very, very robust. He's a, almost okay, a baritone. No, I'm, I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm not worried about it. No, no, you, should, you better worry about it, Mr. Nia Jax. Um, yeah, that's right. You're not like most girls. So anyway, so we end up with the whole whole segment with her then having her picture taken next to the WWE logo. Braun Strowman shows up, and she inexplicably says that he should act more like a, a man. I don't know. I didn't quite get this segment here. But yeah. bottom line, Maria Kanellis is your 24-7 champ. She is a pregnant champ. What in the world is going on here? I was completely okay with Kelly Kelly getting it off of the Stooges. Like be, being the, the way that that was handled, I was completely. And then the whatever happened with um, uh, Alundra Blaze and you know all of the other ones after that, I, I was fine with that. I'm not okay with this. This this oh. this takes away. Like I want it to get crazy. This kind of puts it in a position where you've now painted yourself in a corner. You better have a clever way of getting it back off of her, because this is I, this can be a little bit controversial if you're going to have somebody figure out how to pin a pregnant woman. I think she even mentioned, like, I've got a, uh, uh, an appointment with my doctor, my gyno, in a couple of weeks. If you all want to come and pin me while I'm in the stirrups, be my guest. I didn't think so. And I was just like, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. Would it's, they? Uh, it's an interesting question. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, we reported that they were getting punished, and I'm, I'm not thinking that they're getting punished anymore. Like, this is actually a program that they're doing. No, I think that there's a certain aspect of humiliation that they're giving to Canellis, to, to Mike at least, 
possibly for his addictions, which he's now since overcome, but he's doing penance for it. There, it still feels like he's paying penance for freaking something. Because, you know, between having, what was it, where she was outside the room and he's got the door locked against all of the mid-carters and she's banging to get in. He says, how do I know it's my wife and not Carmela pretending to be my wife? And she, uh, she said something to the effect of, open this door now before I, before I put my boot in your vagina or something like that. Um, and then, of course, the humiliation of having her, like, m- her making him lie down and saying, our unborn child needs a real champion for a parent. There's still a lot of humiliation going on with him. I'm, and I'm trying to wrap my head around what the logic is or what the, what the reasoning is behind all of that. And it, it's not quite clicking. I'm not sure if this is just entertaining to someone in WWE. Yeah. Because it's not really to me. Um, the overall story arc of the 24-7 championship is still intriguing and entertaining to me. Like, There's so many you know, spinning wheels now with it that, I, that I'm like, okay, what's going to happen next? But I'm not sitting here going, this is great TV. This is like all-time great WWE stuff. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm of two minds of it, about it still. I'm already missing uh, Drake and R-Truth. I have a feeling they're not they're not done with this yet. With besides, two hundred five live had a great match with uh, with Drake and Canellis, which we'll talk about later as well. So more about twenty four seven championship later on. But right now we got a pregnant champ, so we'll see what happens. Uh, still in the yeah yay. Speaking of the women's division, we had a moment of bliss. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross came out to uh, to talk all things women's uh, evolution. Or more specifically, to talk about the fact that Becky Lynch attacked Natalia during a training session earlier in the day. And we're shown footage of Natalia training with Fit Finley. Becky Lynch comes out to the ring and attacks Finley and then puts Natalia in a disarmor and then calls Finley a traitor before leaving the ring. I thought that was a nice little detail, considering that Finley's the one that led her into the rumble. Yeah. Um, what did you... Th- let's Before we move on... Because Becky then called out Alexa on the Tron and said, I hear you out there talking. We're going to have a match later. Before we get to that match, what did you think about how they're portraying Becky here? Was this too heelish? Are they trying to do like a tweener thing? Was it, does, did, did this connect for you? Mm, not really. I mean, I, look, I, I, want, I like Alexa and Nikki being involved in stuff, but just the way things are getting executed is, is kind of making me tune out. I, I, I liked what they did this week. Um, I, actually, I think that was over on SmackDown. Never mind. I'll save that for SmackDown. <laughs> I like what they did on SmackDown with it this week. That's what I wanted to say. I, I, I don't know what's going on with Becky right now. Like they're trying to like they're teasing us with Alexa and Nikki against Bailey, and now we're also getting Alexa and Nikki against Becky. Like, what's the so where yeah, are they so, actually going to use Alexa and Nikki? Well, we ended up as you said, we ended up having a match where it was Alexa Bliss. Versus Becky Lynch, Alexa gets quote unquote injured at some point in the match, busts her ankle, right, and cannot continue. And Nikki is so fired up that Becky hurt her friend that she gets in there. Now she has a match with Becky. Becky beats her clean, and then they both start beating her down. They're interrupted by Natalia, who comes out, puts Becky in the sharpshooter, and then backstage challenges Becky or half challenges Becky to a submission match at SummerSlam. Um, this was all to me. This to me, this was very convoluted, and it didn't really get anybody over because it made it didn't make natalia look any stronger just more like an opportunist um and i didn't really feel like it did much for her as far as alexa and nikki it kept alexa looking like a conniving heel because obviously yeah. she was faking her injury and you know i love Corey saying like she got better and what she jumped becky after the match <laughs> um 
it you know, and it makes Nikki look like a fool for still being with Alexa because she's very blatantly, you know, cheating to get Nikki's sympathies. Um, it was just weird. It was kind of weird all around. It made Becky look like a, a bit of a a bully and then also a fool. So I wasn't really sure what the end result was that they were going for here with the booking. Yeah. Um, I, I think that it could have been done more elegantly. Well, I, but again, I don't know what the end result was they're trying to go for here. I know that they're trying to build Nikki and Alexa as a tag team um, because the rumor is they're going for a uh, fatal four-way women's tag match at SummerSlam. They're trying to build them up to be a tag team. I can see you. I can see you hurting. I can hear you hurting. I don't even have to look at the computer screen. I can hear you hurting over there, Nick. Why? When I say that Alexa Bliss and Nikki are going to be a tag team. Because they have it's, no other it's, tag teams. It's not division. just that. It's like you've already got them in a program with Bailey. No, you don't. That's done. That's done. You have a Bailey in a program with Ember. We'll get to that on SmackDown. But, we'll get to the, but now I'll, you're my, throwing them into a, this. Okay, so they failed at, get, at, at overcoming Bailey. Now they're going to throw them right into a thing with the other champ on the other show. Are, are but there that's no done. other women I, in the WWE no. except Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross? This is my point. This was filler to try and heat up the whole Becky Natalia angle, but I don't think it did that, is what I'm saying. I, I, I mean, it's, it sounds like you're just as confused about what they're doing with them as, as everyone are. else. Yeah. They don't possibly. even know what they're doing. <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> it feels that way a little bit with this. I, yeah. I think that they're kind of missing the mark with both Natalia and Becky in this feud, and I'm not sure why they're using Alexa and Nikki in this particular manner. Although the, the moment of bliss stuff... Um, the dynamic there is interesting. I, I, again, I think the stuff they're doing with Nikki Cross is generally fantastic, although it seems to have cooled off a little bit. Yeah. But I, I, love, I love the idea of it. Uh, but again, booking here was very strange. Yep. Uh, also, st- less strange booking. I think very understandable booking, but at the same time, well, let's talk about it. Uh, we had a tag team triple threat match for the titles. Mm. Usos versus the OC versus the Revival. Mwah, beautiful on match, paper, great match. On paper, I almost came to full completion just hearing that that was going to be a match. I'm going to take a drink just from hearing that. That's disgusting. I mean, but, just those three teams right there are mwah, just exactly what yes. I want in my tag team division. Yes. The, the Good Brothers, the Usos, and the Revival. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Just, yes, please, all day, every day. All so, the times we've been complaining about the Raw tag division, <sighs> there's three good teams right there. And the Viking Raiders had a squash match this week too, so they're in, they're around, they're hanging out somewhere nearby. Just that's four good yeah, teams. Don't oh exactly. You put a fatal four way tag match together for those four teams. Uh huh. Yes, please. This is and this the, is the the opposite of what I've been spending to the last two years complaining about in the Raw tag division. This is exactly clear, what it should have been. Also, Nick, to be clear, this is four teams that are all proper tag teams. I would argue even the OC, those aren't singles guys. They, they used to be. They're not now. That's four tag teams that are tag teams. Legit. So no wonder, yes. no wonder you're, you're all tickled pink over there. Yes. That's one way to put it. it. That is one way to put it. But, <laughs> yeah, as, as uh, you might have guessed based on uh, the shenanigans that he got up to last week, Jimmy Uso ate the pin after some, some wild near falls at the end of this match, some fantastic work near the end of this match. Jimmy Uso eats the pin and the OC are your new Raw Tag Team Champions. Is mm. this two things? Was this just WWE making nice by saying, look, we're punishing Jimmy and having him eat the pin? That's one. And then two, the OC is the new champs. Did the Revival get their fair due, or is, it, is this the best idea to have the OC be champs and draped in gold along with AJ? 
I think this is fantastic. And I don't I don't <laughs> think either one of those teams looked uh looked bad. Uh, you know, all three of these teams looked fantastic in this match. It, it could have been anybody eating the pin. Obviously, it's Jimmy for obvious reasons because obvious. But I'm not mad at I wouldn't be mad at anyone any anyone eating a pin out of these six guys, they're all going to look fantastic throughout the match, and they did. And yeah. so I, 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 that's it. I think it's obvious that Jimmy eats the pin, but that's the problem: is it's too obvious. And I don't know if that's enough of a punishment for him. They didn't suspend him, as far as we know, he didn't get fined. It was just slap on the wrist. Yeah, eat the pin. Okay, whoop de doo. I ate the pin. I think I, I to me it, it felt a little bit like PR. This uh, is kind of his second strike, though, in the last few months. So I, yeah, in the I, last few months, not even overall. Right. Well, yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, you got the uh, OC, your new champs. And uh, as we mentioned, AJ Styles is the U.S. champ right now. And there was a gauntlet match. This Raw was so consistently packed. If you watched Hulu, you didn't even see this gauntlet match. I didn't. And it was hellacious. It was fantastic. You had, uh, uh, let me see if I can, let me, I'm going to list this all off. We had, uh, it started off with Rey Mysterio and Cesaro. Rey ends up beating up, that was fantastic. Rey ends up winning. Sami Zayn comes out, gets squashed by Rey. That was bizarre. And then we had Andrade Cien Almas versus Rey Mysterio. And now this was not as wild and crazy as some of their SmackDown encounters. They didn't really go for the crazy big moves. Uh, like, whatever. Uh, tombstone Spanish flies and all the, all the other crazy stuff they were right. doing. But they did uh, have, at the end of this, Andrade tried to rip Ray's mask off and pretty much freaking succeeded. He tore the damn thing off of him. Oh my goodness. Um, I'm just going to, I'm going to throw this out there right now. Do you think Ray is genuinely trying to unmask again before his career winds down? Possibly. Because he was unmasked back in WCW. He was unmasked. He's never been unmasked in WW, uh, WWE, as far as I can recall. Do you think that he wants to before this is all done? Yeah, I do. I think he does. Why? Why, why would he want to do that? I have no answer for that. Only Rey Mysterio <laughs> can answer that, but I, 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 think, uh, I think he can. Go with your I gut. I think he should. I think it would be a great send-off. Leave the Lucha mask in the ring, much like Undertaker left the gloves in the hat. Yeah, that worked out so well. Sure. That worked out real well. He totally left them right there and yep. you know, Never had, came a, had back, a great walk-off walk off into the sunset. For the Undertaker. <sighs> well, anyway, so this ended up Andrade beat uh, Rey Mysterio. We ended up in the finals with Andrade Cien Almas versus Ricochet. <clears throat> On paper, that just sounds so delicious. And you know what? In practice, it was delicious as well. Mm. Uh, fantastic ending to this match. Ricochet, however, picks up the win. And he will be going on to face AJ Styles at SummerSlam for the U.S. title. No surprise there. They have an ongoing feud. Fantastic. That being said, Nick... Um, are you as hungry as I am to see a Ricochet Andrade feud down the road? Uh, yes, on paper, like I was it's, saying earlier, that just sounds just complete money. Please, <laughs> like I, uh, I think that would have been better to have for the U.S. title than giving it right back to AJ Styles. Frankly, uh, I, uh, I'm I'm still cool with this Ricochet AJ program. I'm I, I can oh, wait I'm for about, the yeah, Ricochet like next, right? If it was right. if there was an option somewhere, but yeah, next, get it back on Ricochet and have Andrade chase or vice versa. You know, have Andrade be, but uh, you know. Yep. Whatever. Those three guys all day. Yes. <laughs> we have our favorites here on Busted Wide Open. Yeah, we're, no uh, no fandoms means, at all. At all. So just to wrap up Raw, Nick, this week, like I said, I thought it was the best Raw 
of the year and maybe even longer did they show that it is completely like every time people complain about raw being three hours this raw was three hours and i didn't feel the three hours maybe during a couple of segments they were they found a way to fill this raw front to back with content with engaging interesting entertaining content i didn't feel like it was a slog no barely at all does this prove that they can do it that you can have a three-hour wrestling show with a roster this size and get away with it. Yep. No, I mean, if you take the commercials out of it, you're down to about two and a half hours, and then, or 220, I think is what the math works out to be, and then you chop another 50 minutes off. I'm doing Steiner math here, by the way. You chop another 50 minutes off, and you get down to the 90-minute Hulu edition. That, it went by even faster for me uh, watching the Hulu edition. Yeah. I did not it's get spelled, to see it, the gauntlet match. I am dying to go back you. and see that. Yeah, well, you need to. You yeah. need to. Because if you don't, Spells disaster for you. They're still G1. They're still G1. Yeah. They're still G1. They're still G1. They're still I'm G1. trying to catch up on. Oh, my God. You have to catch up. But, Nick, we have to, we got to get to the G1. But to do that, we have to talk first about SmackDown Live. Somebody tried to kill Roman Reigns. What? My Roman Reigns. They tried Reigns. to kill. Who done it? Roman, no. No, not my Roman. No, who tried to kill Roman Reigns? Who Very pushed end of the over show. the scaffolding in the roadie cases and tried to kill Roman Reigns? Roman Reigns walking down the hall at the end of the show to announce who he was going to face at SummerSlam. And as he's walking, we suddenly get multiple camera shots of a scaffolding falling on him and pinning him. A bunch of cases and boxes, like the whole side of the, of the, the wall came down on him. But luckily, the scaffolding fell on some other boxes and Roman escaped barely with his life uh nick who done it mercy the buzzard mercy the buzzard yep that's who i'm going mercy with. the buzzard is busy with finn balor right now well i don't know if mercy is but the fiend is that's and, true and rambling rabbit gave a, a televangelist pep talk today about <laughs> I don't we'll, know, whatever we'll get to we're, we're, we'll get to that we gotta talk about roman reigns who, who do you sir? think who do you think tried to kill roman reigns sir all right, so there's lots of speculations. Uh, as Roman was picked up by the very, very overly concerned paramedics at the end of it, and then they kept trying to say, let's check you out. And he said, no, no, no. I don't want to get checked out. He walked away like a hero. He passed Buddy Murphy. <sighs> Buddy Murphy was standing conveniently nearby and, and seemed to walk away most suspiciously as Roman walked by. Uh, that being said, he was in the wrong place to have gotten to those to the scaffolding, so... Might not be Buddy Murphy, even though that would be my number one that I would want to see it be. I would love it if it was Buddy Murphy. Yeah. If it ends up being Buddy Murphy, I will be beside myself. That's a, that's a huge push for Buddy Murphy. Yeah. He should be pushed to that level. A major angle like that with Roman Reigns, especially when it starts off with him legit trying to kill the man, <laughs> would be fantastic. It makes sense that he would, though. I believe, I believe that he might yeah. try to oh, murder somebody. You forgot about me. I'm such a hidden secret that y'all yeah. forgot. Well, guess what? Here's how I'm going to make you remember me. I'm going to try to kill your boy, Roman Reigns. You sure it wasn't Johnny uh, Gargano this time? Pretty sure it was not Johnny Gargano. However, I am not sure that it was not Daniel Bryan because Roman Reigns is being booked to face Daniel Bryan all through the fall. Daniel Bryan, once again this week, was supposed to give an announcement about the future of his career, and he just stared blankly at the camera and did not. Uh, give that he just walked away with Rowan in tow. By the way, Rowan shirt watch. Rowan shirt watch. A both this week. A both. 
He's, he's going obscure with some of these. I like that. A I bot, don't know that good one. Stuff. Okay. I, I do. They're good. They're good. Not my favorite, but they're good. I'll so, get them added to the Spotify so, playlist for everybody. Rowan, Rowan's still keeping it up, keeping up his end. Um, but no, this right now, all of the rumors are pointing to Daniel Bryan uh, being the one who did this. To me, that's a little underwhelming. That's a little bit like, eh, all right. What if it was right, Rowan, Daniel. though? Well, Rowan, I think, would be the muscle who did it. Like He'd be yeah. commanding Rowan to do it gotcha. at Daniel Bryan's behest. I did it for the Daniel. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, but here's, here's the other thing before we move on. Is this the kind of cliffhanger programming that WWE's been missing? Because when SmackDown went off the air, and let's be clear, Raw was better than SmackDown this week, which is saying wow. something. Yeah. But... When SmackDown was over, I immediately was like, oh, wow, oh, who could it be? I started thinking, like, this, this made me, like, and, and honestly, I wasn't really paying attention when Roman started walking down the hallway. I was, I was working on my notes. I wasn't really, like, looking. And so when it actually went down, the way that it was delivered, the chaos of it, felt similar in tone to the Seth murder on Monday night, where it felt like sudden, terrifying violence. And it left me with that feeling of, oh my God, anything could happen, which is what you want. When WWE was at its peak in ratings, you never knew what anything could happen. The craziest stuff could happen. It made for water cooler TV. Did you see this? In my opinion, this kind of stuff is what they've been missing. And this, it's a, it's, I, I love the fact they had this because it made me think about it after the show. Yeah. I can remember the Attitude Era and the the show's going off air. By God, what's Stone Cold going to do to Mr. McMahon next week? That was the things I looked forward to. We didn't have social media. We didn't have the the YouTubes. We didn't have all of this stuff for them to put up extra content. We actually had to wait a whole week to see what would happen. Oh. The dirt sheets weren't as, easy, weren't as easy to follow. Sting's in the rafters. We're out of time. Oh, God, we're out of time. We'll see y'all next week. No, <laughs> what? Uh, what? What the? Yeah, so I, I like the fact that at least now they're, they're going a little bit back to that uh, with the, oh, my God, what's going to happen next kind of TV. Hey, uh, uh, Abraham Castillo with the 20 bill in the tip jar. Whoa, thank you very much, thank sir. You very much, sir. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. That's, uh, I'm, I'm sure that's, uh, that's for Nick's glorious beard. Yes. Looking particularly glorious today, sir. Thank you very much. Yes. Mm. Taken after uh, Braun Strowman and the Forgotten Sons there with that thing. Yeah. Uh, we'll so, talk about that later. <laughs> oh, 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 yes, we will. Oh, yes, we will. I've got to crap on Jackson Riker some more. Uh, so we also, at the top of the show, Shane McMahon announced that he was not going to be there tonight. And the crowd was so sad, Nick. The crowd immediately di- voiced their displeasure with the lack of Shane on their show, even though he was still there on the Titan Right. Um, FaceTiming so, in or Skyping in or whatever right. it was, right? Right. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not going to be there. I know you're all so sad. Um, I, so this is the funny thing, is that Shane wasn't in the building. Kevin Owens came out, cut a promo to the microphone about how he's going to whoop his ass at SummerSlam, and he was not going to quit, and it was going to be great. It was weird that he delivered to the camera, but that aside, good promo. And right as he ended, though, dropped the mic, went to walk away, Drew McIntyre's music hits, and Drew McIntyre came out, mugged Kevin Owens, and then told him, by the way, now that you're incapacitated, we've got a match. And then we proceeded to have one of the matches of the week at the top of the show on SmackDown. Did this suddenly make you want more of a Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens program than a Shane McMahon, Kevin Owens program? Or was that just me? 
No, I'm, I'm all in on it. I, I think this is fantastic. It's exactly the kind of feud McIntyre needs. It was exactly the moment that McIntyre needed with Shane out of the way. I've, I've, we've been saying for a long time now that we're getting tired, a little bit fed up of Drew McIntyre as a goon. He needs to stand out on his own. He needs to be a top card player. And this is exactly what we have been waiting for. This is, the, yes, give, put it all in my eye holes. Yes, I, this is what I want. This is the feud I'd love to see Kevin Owens have at SummerSlam. Or have we booked that match officially yet? Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely Kevin Owens and Shane is a booked match. Drew, no, I'm, I mean and, Drew. Yeah, Drew's Drew's officially booked with okay. Cedric. Yeah. Okay, yes. So that's that's happening. But Drew and Kevin's down the down the road. Yeah. Mm, after watching this match, I want that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one quick shout out though, Drew McIntyre apparently trying to get on Botchamania. The first thing he said when he came out was, hey, Kevin Owens, you talk too much. Nice long pause so that Matthew can edit that just perfectly right into <laughs> Botchamania. I'm telling you, keep an eye out. Matthew will have that on Botchamania. He also listens, so you know he's going to be looking for that now. Nice. So uh, also on SmackDown, Kofi Kingston versus AJ Styles. This was There was gold everywhere. You had the New Day SmackDown Tag Team Champions at ringside. You had the OC Raw Tag Team Champions at ringside. You had the WWE Champion, the US Champion in the ring, as you'd expect. Nice, nice match that should have been headlining a pay-per-view. Yes. But instead was relegated to the main event of SmackDown and meant, really kind of meant nothing. These guys aren't going to feud. I wasn't really sure what the idea was between having all of this happen other than, (laughs) cool. Which it was. It was cool AF. You know, I think I even sent you a text uh, that said that exact same. Like, wow, there's six belts in the ring. This is nuts. There's six uh, belts in the ring. It's chaos all over. It was a really fun finish. AJ Styles, by the way, eating a clean pin to a trouble in paradise after he's jumping off the top rope. Like, AJ laid down clean for Kofi. Uh, Kofi's getting some momentum. I said it. I said the M word. Momentum. He's getting you, it. You know what? I was... I'm going to... I want to... I want to walk something back that I've said previously. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I think it might be because they listen and they heard me. Uh, previously, <laughs> I've said that I was getting Kofi's thing was getting long in the tooth. The last couple of weeks, he's been stepping up the game a little bit. And, uh, yeah, especially with his promos, with his work in the ring, I, I'm, I'm coming, I've come back around. So I'm a little bit longer. We're, we're good. Especially uh, if they it. keep strapping all of them and putting them in matches with the O.C., uh, just keep doing that. It hurts being right all the time, Nick. I'm uh, just going to say. It's just... Uh, uh, uh. One question I had, though, was... So Randy Orton has got the match with Kofi at SummerSlam. Yeah. He was relegated to a promo before this match talking about how you know Kofi had to be all these other things to get over. Randy just had to be Randy. And he said that, yeah, I did call Kofi stupid in the middle of a match back in 2009. Stupid for thinking he could—he was on my level, which was a nice little retconning of reality into kayfabe. Fine, cool. Uh, I like the story they built here, but is it strange to have Kofi in a inarguably amazing main event match that is irrelevant to the Randy Orton feud, other than what the commentator uh, commentary throws in in the middle of the match, and just have Randy relegated to a promo, albeit a good promo before the match? Hmm. Like, oh. is, should they have had Randy get involved somehow in this match? Should there have been more? 
I think it would have been cool to have Randy fly in at the end and do an RKO after Kofi hit that trouble in paradise and got the clean pin on AJ. They're celebrating. Yeah. Have have Randy do his out of nowhere RKO thing on Kofi and just as a fu and run out or walk out on before. Maybe they do that next week though. I I I'm, I say that and then I go nope. I want that on the go home show. So that's what? you know that's what I would like to see next week. Some kind of physicality between the two. I, I, we, it needs to happen. Yeah. It absolutely needs to happen. And by the way, uh, everybody, speaking of trouble in paradise, I want to point out if you're not watching the live stream, uh, you're not seeing Nick cringe as lightning and thunder is blowing up outside of his window right now. <laughs> Stuff is, uh, <laughs> stuff's going nuts over there in the, the, in North Carolina. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think Randy needs to get physical with Kofi next week, uh, at least more. We've had it before, but it was just strange that it wasn't there this week. Um, that being said, we do know that Vince came in the last second and rewrote SmackDown again. Literally, they were writing the second hour as the first hour was going on. Madness. Uh, he said he wanted to have it more connected to SummerSlam, which is hilarious considering that uh, this last segment had nothing to do with SummerSlam whatsoever. So uh, let's move on and talk about, we were talking earlier about Alexa and Nikki being a tag team. Well, they had a tag match against Bailey and Ember Moon who are opponents at SummerSlam. Last week, Ember Moon gave Bailey an eclipse after the match. This week, Ember ate the pin. Ember ate the pin from Alexa Bliss and then uh, proceeded to take a, belly, a Bailey to belly. A really nice-looking Bailey to belly, by the way, at the end of this match. Um, so, again, we're back to this, Nick. Is, are, they, are they trying to make Alexa and Nikki look like a legit tag team by having them beat legitimate competitors? And if so, does that undermine Ember for the Bailey match, and then on top of that, I mean, is Ember, does she look like she's head and shoulders above everybody else, or is it just me? Uh, she's looking fantastic right now. Oh, I'll, I'll be upfront about that. I'm loving the way they're booking Ember right now. She looks great. Uh, I like also Except for the fact getting that, pinned in this match. Sure. Well, the betrayal at the end of the match, uh, you know, on on as part a part of Bailey just kind of hitting her with that Bailey to belly after the match, I thought was fantastic. As Alexa and Nikki are leaving, uh, walking up the ramp, uh, Bailey kind of turns on Ember and hits her, and that's a nice way to get to uh, the the go home show uh, for SummerSlam. Let's see what happens, right? I I, I dig that kind of stuff, but mm. I'm mostly concerned with like they're they're using Alexa and Nikki a little too much. Are we getting tired of them too quickly? Are they doing too many things? And if the ultimate end game is to have them as a tag team, oh, uh, I'm, I'm, my head explode. It feels like they're doing a quick build to have them be a tag team and get involved in the women's tag team picture, which, okay. which let's be clear, needs some help. It does, and I um, wouldn't be horribly mad at that. But again, we haven't seen the Kabuki. Uh, Oh, right. I had, a, I had a small aneurysm right there attempting to say it that. Hurts. Uh, the Oscar and Kyrie Sane. Uh, we have not the seen that- them actually in action. Uh, I've so th- there are resources there. There are superstars available. Yeah. we don't need to use Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross everywhere. So- but I will point this out to you, Nick. Aside from a couple of streaks in their hair, neither Oscar nor Kyrie are blonde. So oh. Vince is good. We got now. Granted, we already have Mandy involved in here, but I think Vince has cooled on Mandy or something because she's definitely uh, not oh. getting the love she was for a little while there. Uh, just pointing that out. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with the women's tag team division. Uh, I, I like I said, I think we're going to see a fatal four way at SummerSlam. Uh, as far as Bailey and Ember, I'm sorry, Ember out wrestled everyone in this match and even out promoted Bailey backstage. Bailey just came across as being very flat. 
I hate to say it. But speaking of blondes, Nick, we can't get out of this without talking about some blondes because Trish Stratus, Trish Stratus came out on King's Court. Of course, oh. if you're in Memphis, Tennessee, you got to have Jerry Lawler come out, and he yes. did. And of course, everyone loved him because it's freaking Memphis. Oh, yeah. But King's Court, he had Trish Stratus out to apparently talk about how she was a mom now and okay. her Instagram. She's a mom Great. and she does yoga and Instagram. Yay. Cool. Uh, but this got real interesting when Charlotte came out to the ring and started being nice and snarky with Trish. We mentioned last week that it was going to be Trish versus Charlotte at SummerSlam. This week, it happened. Charlotte uh, confronted Trish, challenged her. Trish said no. Charlotte said, well, that doesn't surprise me because you can't hang with us young ladies. And Trish said, yes, I can. Now we have a match. Are you excited for Trish versus Charlotte at SummerSlam? As as a one-off exhibition, Legend versus arguably the top woman in WWE, yeah. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't I'll, say it's arguable. I'd say that the way that they're treating Charlotte, like they're putting all of the rubs on Charlotte. Beats Asuka's streak, Charlotte. Most reigns as the women's champ, Charlotte. Main eventing almost everything, Charlotte. Getting the rub off of Trish, Charlotte. Yep. So, yeah, I, I really have no more to say than that. Is that this is just... A one more passing of the torch to Charlotte. You know, going into and, Evolution nine months ago, I would have told you it was going to be Alexa Bliss with the way they yeah. were setting up the match there. And uh, unfortunately, due to her injuries, but I mean, Alexa Bliss was on a tear there, kind of under, under the guise of Becky Lynch's rise. Uh, Alexa Bliss was doing fantastic until she got injured and started getting tingly fingers and all that. Yeah. This this makes all kinds of sense to me. Charlotte's, Charlotte's probably going to have more championship reigns than her daddy by the time we get done. Probably. That being said, here's, a, here's my take on it, Nick. I really don't care about the match, but at the same time, I get why they're doing this. This is money. This is, you know, this is it's a, a money match. It's a draw. <laughs> this draw is match. how you draw. Yes. Absolutely. So it, it will be something. I, I'm curious if, it'll be, if it will be a retirement match for Trish, if she's going to hang it up after this and pass the torch to Charlotte. Curious to see how that Works out. We mentioned uh, Dolph Ziggler could not keep Goldberg's name out of his mouth. Once again, that was the case on SmackDown. He also had a match with Finn Balor where mm. he beat Finn Balor. But only because Finn Balor was distracted by a sudden appearance by The Fiend who basically showed up. Finn got distracted as baby faces do when heels show up to surprise them. Right. And then he ate a super kick. One, two, three. This was also prefaced by a Firefly Funhouse where, as you mentioned, Ramblin' Rabbit was trying to spill the beans. He said he really liked Finn, but Finn didn't know what he was up against with the Fiend. And he tried to tell everyone what the Funhouse really was, but then got scared off by a very, hmm, not kid-friendly looking Bray Wyatt, <laughs> uh, who then smiled and then really creepily said, let me in, let me in. It was the R-rated Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. <laughs> I'm going to make more rabbit jam out of you, boy. Yeah. So, again... Uh, do you still think it looks like Manfin at SummerSlam, or are we going to get Demon? You're not going to get Demon yet, I think. I, 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 I think not. I wanted that to be it, but one of them would have to lose. And I think Manfin can lose and put the Fiend over. And and then I, what I would do is just continue to have the Fiend beat everybody, lead come back around to Manfin, and maybe at Survivor Series, maybe all the way to Rumble, you could have... You know, maybe this goes all the way to Demon versus Fiend at WrestleMania next year. I could really see that get played all the way out. If they can hold their jimmies until then, if they can just keep it in their pants 
all the way till then. Yes, that is a WrestleMania match. Are you listening, creative? <laughs> I'm looking right into the camera at you guys. And I'm going to point. Just hold out point. on it. Just just let yeah. it happen organically. It will. That You're doing fantastic so far. Just let it happen. I mean, the world championship must fall. But no, I agree. <laughs> let, let's, let's, let's hold off on that. We'll probably put a belt on one of them for it. Yeah, that sounds way better. Uh, but in the meantime... We're still getting Fiend versus Finn at SummerSlam. Also, looks like we're going to be getting Ali versus Nakamura because Ali just beat Nakamura clean with a nice roll-up after dodging a couple of Kinshasas. It was a non-title match, though. So that means Fine. I guess he gets a title match now. Um, cool. Please. Give Ali, yes. some, yeah, give Ali a, little, a little bit of uh, <laughs> momentum. Both those guys. <laughs> Both those guys. Both All those day. guys. No, psyched about it. That's, that's going to be a good match. Yep. Uh, also, Aleister Black got himself an opponent for SummerSlam because, once again, he was back in his dark little room, which he said was his self-imposed prison. More gobbledygook from him. But he said he wanted another challenger. Cesaro was great, but now he wants someone new. Well, who should come along to say that he's just full of himself but Sami Zayn? So Sami Zayn versus Aleister Black at SummerSlam. What do you think? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, me too. It's, uh, that's that's going to be another one where Sammy's going to put Alistair over hard. I still think that they're, they're doing a god-awful job with Alistair's character. I think it's one of those things where he's going to survive it eventually. Just right now, it's dark times yeah. and not in a good way. I, I So here's – I'm, I'm opposed to this, Nick. We're a little bit behind. But I, I, gotta, I have to pose this question just because of a lot of the information that's come out recently and over the years about how Vince thinks – and how Vince perceives things, and how his perception of the world and his perception of people colors how he writes the show, or how he demands the show be written. And Alistair Black is a very, very specific individual. He was a you know dark, brooding, kind of black metal, esoteric guy back in, uh, in NXT, right? And they, they portrayed him as being this very hyper-intelligent, but brooding, and a kind of iconoclastic character. Did Vince look at that and is his how he's writing Alistair Black now as being kind of this whiny, a bit entitled, psychotic, but at the same time effective fighter? Is that how Vince sees those kinds of people? Is that why we're getting what we're getting from Alistair Black here? If like I is this take, Vince's if, perception of like the hot topic crowd? If I can take it back even further. I remember a time when I was in L.A. and Aleister Black was first debuting and we were sitting there and we would literally stand up and go, sure, right? When yeah, his that, entrance, entrance, that entrance music. Oh. And there were people just doing it in the crowd and people would go nuts. And the yep. dude had never said a word. He had never cut a promo. He had never done nothing until he got to the Velveteen Dream Feud and started saying stuff. The tragic flaw of Aleister Black is the tone of his voice and his ability, inability to cut legit promos where I believe him. Well, initially, he got better at his, at his wrestling voice. His initial eh. wrestling voice was, was kind of like, Hi, I am Aleister Black, and I'm here to fight you tonight in this ring. And he since got the wrestling voice going on where he kind of got a little more gravelly, and now he kind of talks more like this. And so it eventually... It got better. His promo work got better. It's one of the things we talked about consistently in NXT yeah, is that his yeah. promo work got better. He was in developmental. He developed. But now I see where you're going with this. Now all he does is talk. Yep, exactly. It's the exact opposite of what we fell in love with in Aleister Black. He the was the silent killer that yeah. had this giant ethereal entrance 
uh, that just made him look like some kind of crazy warlock fighter. <laughs> oh god it was everything yeah. i wanted and black just sabbath's in, wet dream of a yes. wrestler yeah and then he started talking and now it's the complete opposite because he's on the main roster and he has to cut promo oh he's god. wearing a black polo shirt nick a black polo shirt yeah. alistair black was wearing a black polo shirt and he I'm should have no shirt offended. on just the cut just the vest just, I'm, that's I'm it triggered with spikes triggered and by skulls and just Stuff this is gonna be a, it's going to be a running theme on the show is just how you and I are both, <laughs> both like big metal heads and we loved Aleister Black yeah. and their presentation of NXT. And it's just it's so bad on the main roster. It's going to be fine. Just to, so, so no one thinks that we're, we're reactionary here. We know it's going to be fine. He's actually he's doing well. He's getting over and it seems like he's going to get through this. This is this is his uh, uh, Dusty Rhodes and Polka Dots phase. He'll make uh, it work. He's, uh. He seems to be OK. I don't know, but God, but goddamn, is it painful? It's painful to watch, Nick. It is. But it uh, is. but that being said, Nick, we were mentioning NXT and the fact that Aleister Black was in NXT, and there's plenty to talk about in NXT this week. But to talk about that, we need to go discuss the wide world of wrestling. Well, <laughs> the moment has finally arrived, listeners. Tyler Breeze. Uh, it's time for Tyler Breeze. It, uh, no, no. It's time for Jackson Riker. Oh God! Whether you like uh, it or not, listeners, uh, you've been hearing me say it forever. Oh my God! He, he he's getting a push, and if, Vince, I have not heard any, not. I have not heard commentary nope. put somebody over harder in the longest time. Then the comment, then Mar Rinaldo and Nigel McGinnis putting over Jackson Riker this week in a Ugh. match against Tyler Breeze. Ugh. Now let's be Pain. clear. Tyler Breeze came out. We weren't sure who he was going to face. Then we saw it was going to be Jackson Riker of the Forgotten Sons. That makes sense. They had some beef last couple weeks. Fine. That's that's fantastic. I did yep. not expect to hear from the commentary what I heard from the commentary, and boy, were they putting him over hard. Well, they kind of had to because he really doesn't get over by himself in the ring, Nick. So they had to put him over like that. that Uh, That's either here nor there because all of this was for naught. Yes. uh, Just to set up another return. And by the way, how can you hold on a second? How can you say he's getting a push? He lost clean to Tyler Breeze. Yeah, but that was all just to set up the return of Fandango. Yes. To reunite with Tyler Breeze. Breeze Zongo back together again in NXT. I'm not going to let down. you get out of it that easy, Sir Ian Dangerous. What? I need to hear your honest thoughts on why the commentary was so high on Jackson Riker this week. I just told you because that's the only way they can actually put him over. Because he, he's okay. As I've said before, you want my Jackson Riker spiel again? I'll give you my Jackson Riker spiel again. He's a look. He's a look, and it's a great look. I'll give you that. Beyond that, not a great worker. Not a great ring. Certainly, I would never call him a ring general. Uh, he's he's fine. He's completely serviceable, but at the same time, he's he's not exciting. He's just a look, and I think they realize that. If Vince saw him, I'm sure Vince would think he could do a lot with him, and he might be able to. Booked right and sold right on commentary, Jackson Riker could probably go a significant distance. At the same time, it seems like they know what they have with him in NXT, where he's just he's the big mook part of the Forgotten Sons. He's the heavy, and they're going to have him come in and act like a heavy and have the commentary ooh and odd how scary he is. And then when Tyler Breeze has a surprise win, it makes Tyler Breeze look, look even better by beating this 
supposed monster. By skating that, out, by getting by. Yeah, absolutely. He, because he, he I mean, barely escaped. The, well, you look at the two the of them next to each other, Jackson and Tyler Riker. Breeze looks like a six-year-old boy, and Jackson Riker looks like a man. By the way, so quick speculation. When Jackson Riker gets called up to the main roster, does he become Riker or Jackson? I'm uh, just curious. Riker's actually kind of cool. I'm fine with that. Uh-huh. Should have a finishing move called Riker's Island. Just saying. I'm just, you know, because so he's cynical. like a, he can be so, like a so prison. cynical. I mean, maybe they can call him Nails. That'd be a good idea. Yeah, a prison guard named Nails. <laughs> I like that. I mean, it's a prisoner. Big boss. What do you think anyway, about the reunion of Bree Zango on the it. NXT oh roster? Where do you expect this to go? I, Is this tag team stuff, or are they going to be fighting on yes. uh, solo? Tag team versus, uh, there's going to be tag team. It's going to be versus the Forgotten Sons. Cool. Love it. Street Profits, Forgotten Sons, all of it. Undisputed Era. They will probably be the level below the title picture, which is Street Profits Undisputed Era right now. So you'll probably have Lorcan Birch will, will be part of it, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I can, I can see them becoming part of that initially. They're certainly over as hell. People lost their minds when Fandango came back. So lost I. their mind. The entire audience was, was Fandangoing. Uh, I have to, I got him a bit emotional too. Like it was just such a, a like you could see everyone was so happy to see him. You could see he could barely con- keep uh, contain how much it meant to him, and you know, hugging hug and breeze and everything, and seeing those two back together. Yeah, it was a it was a great moment. I can't not call so. out what's going on in the chat right now. Everybody's trying to figure out what to call Riker, and they came up with the Riker experience. <laughs> of course they did. The, the War Riker experience machine. Come on, guys. Yes. Come on. You guys right. know you love him too. No, they, they, no we all love to make to make fun of him. Right. Okay. Uh, so we also had uh, the semis part two of the semifinals of the breakout tournament: Bronson Reed versus Cameron Grimes. And uh, yeah, kind of as expected, Cameron Grimes took this one. Was this the was this the most underwhelming of the breakout tournament matches to you? It was actually, but I'm happy to see the outcome. Uh, yes, I'll, I'll say that, you know, and and I never would have picked. I'm going to keep calling him Trevor Lee. Never would have picked Trevor Lee to go to the final, to be honest. So really, I, yeah, Cameron Grimes. So I, yeah, I, I'm very surprised, very pleasantly surprised. North Carolina boy raise up, uh, but at the same time, I, I'm I was I wasn't as entertained with this one. I thought his yeah. first match that we saw was just baller, and yeah. then you know we've had to deal with Gaza. Uh, but yeah, this and how got us out. Those are kind yes. of the standouts for me. The first Trevor Lee match, first Cameron Grimes match, um, and then the one, the ones with Garza, and then th- that's it. Like I haven't really everything enjoyed that, everything, everything that ACH did was great too. Oh yes, absolutely. So yeah, it's it's been a little bit underwhelming of a tournament with a few high spots, a few high points for me. But I, I, dude, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I even even uh, Bronson Reed versus uh, Creepy McCreeperson was was fantastic. Last week or two weeks ago. You talking about Garzadong or who are you referring to? I am absolutely not talking about Garzadong. Garzadong isn't creepy. Gar- Garzadong, excuse me. Let me let me let me rephrase that. Garzadong is not creepy in that way. It's disturbing. It's it it makes it makes me kind of recoil from the TV and go, oh dear God. Now put it away. Put it <laughs> put it away. I'm talking about Dexter Loomis. Oh yeah. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. You talking about up and comer with potential? Things. Dexter Loomis. Stranger Things. Yeah. Also a great artist, by the way. If you go check out his Instagram, great artist. Oh, cool. Yeah, well. Uh, So, yeah, uh, it looks like we're going to have Grimes versus Miles in the finals. I'm psyched. Yeah, I'm in. Sounds good. Who do you think is taking that one, Grimes or Miles? I think Grimes is going to take it all, man, at this point. Oh, look at this. And we have a competition. I've been saying Miles since the very beginning. You have. Y'all can check me. 
I've been saying Miles since the beginning, so we shall see. Another match we have coming up that is, I kind of think, anyone's game, Mia Yim and Shayna Baszler. They had a little confrontation in the ring today. Shayna called Mia street trash. Mia said, no, I'm not, and then let Shayna walk away. Nuh-uh. Mm. Nuh-uh. <laughs> should this have ended in physicality, Nick, or was this? Did, yes, did, it did, should did, have. Did Mia Yim, does she feel like a big enough deal? At this point, to face Shayna? Yeah, the weird part was Shayna trying to be all street and hood against Mia Yim. And that was the awkward part of this that to, to me. Like, I, why go there, first of all? You know, but at the same time, like, be who you are. You are a badass MMA fighter. Be that. Don't try to be something else to relate. I, I don't I don't know. It's just what's this stuff that why is she trying to do this street hood stuff with Mia Yim? Is that part of Mia Yim's gimmick or character? Mia Yim's yeah, she's got like the whole I was like raised I was raised on the streets, man. I had to come up through hard times. Yeah. Hard time, daddy, she's hard like, time. She's coming she's coming not them kind of hard times, then the hard times of the thousand. Text that working in America. This the this the hard times of the West Coast, man. <laughs> now if she had done she that, Oakland, if she had pulled Oaktown, the dusty dusty promo out, I would have oh. oh man. That would have been that would have been good. That'd have been good. Uh, but that being said, that was not what she did. She wore an NWA shirt and uh, came to the ring and stared down Shayna. I, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see this match. Um, I'm not I don't sure. know that they're going to let anybody beat Shayna at well, this point. Well, given the history of the people that she's beaten already, I don't feel like Mia is the one. And I think that they desperately need Shayna on the main roster at this point. They need someone who feels legitimate and has a presence and is a star, and that's Shayna. They need someone yeah. to, to stand up to Becky's level. But, you know... I, I don't know who they're going to put the belt on. I don't think Mia feels like a big enough deal yet. I really uh, I, don't. We thought it was going to be a Bianca Belair. Uh, I still think it might be Io Shirai, but with her turning and going as dark as she is, it, the heel-heel thing doesn't work. Yeah. Be weird to have another heel champ. Yeah. A lot of heel champs. So but, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know but what they're doing up. anymore. I don't think it's Mia either. I don't think they're going to yeah. take it off of Shayna, to be honest. Yeah. Well, we'll find out at TakeOver Toronto coming up very soon. Uh, also at TakeOver Toronto, we're going to have a triple threat. Pete Dunne, Roderick Strong, and Velveteen Dream. We got a previous week. Pete Dunne finally mm. getting his hands on that bastard, Roderick Strong, after all this time, ever since he was betrayed when they were a tag team. And Roderick Strong joined the Undisputed Era. Oh, this was a baller match. You know, Nick, if I hadn't been watching so much G1... This would have absolutely been my match of the week. And frankly, this felt kind of like a G1 match with how nasty and hard and stiff they were to each other. This is how now you this- wrestle. All you superstars that are listening, <laughs> this is how you wrestle. That's how you wrestle from now on. It just, yeah. oh, God, it made me remember all of those great matches they had over the last year uh, during that feud prior to Roderick Strong jumping over to the Undisputed Era. This uh-huh. is the God, this. And then Dream coming out at the end. Oh, yeah, I can't Dream wait Dream coming out of the end, by the way, and posing, but then after, so you got Pete Dunne, who, submit, who, who breaks Roderick Strong's hand and then proceeds to wrench on the broken fingers until Roderick Strong submits. Ow! And then uh, Dream comes out to pose in the ring, and freaking Dunne just lays him out, too, with a bitter end, and Dunne just, Dunne just stands at your end, kind of shrugging like, well, yeah, I'm a bad man. What? Well, I Bru- killed him both. Bruiser White. Uh, Bruiser White. <laughs> Chew on my knuckles. Chew on my belt. I brought your Got fingers. A on- Got a bear on my knee. That's right. I'll kill you all. <laughs> what? I don't speak loud. I speak soft. I don't know why he became a beetle. He's not. Anyway, uh, so, yeah. I'm, I, I'm all in on this match, too. Give me this. Put it in my face. Put it in my eye holes. Yeah. Done. 
Good. Good I, I, I got to admit, I never saw Pete Dunn coming here. I thought this was going straight Velveteen Dream, Roderick Strong. They're going to yeah. strap Roderick Strong to fulfill the Undisputed Era prophecy. I'm all in now. Pete I don't Dun- know. Pete Dunn's in it. Uh, yes, all, give it to me. All I know is after this, how do you pin Pete Dunn? It's got to be Strong or Dream getting pinned in this match because, man, Dunn just looked way too strong in this match. I don't think you're going to pin him. So this will be interesting to see how this plays out. We've also got Io Shirai and Candice LeRae confirmed for TakeOver Toronto. Regal made the match after Candice LeRae was standing outside of the Performance Center looking all glum. And then we also have Matt Riddle and Killian Dane coming up next week on NXT. Give that to me now. It's too bad it won't be on TakeOver because that is a TakeOver quality yes. match. It should be on TakeOver. Like, why are they giving it to us? Hopefully it's a Smaz finish or some kind. And it, it, yep. Please make this a TakeOver match. And let yep. those boys go 20 to 30 minutes. Yep, I'd be down oh. with that. Uh, speaking of letting the boys go, uh, 205 Live. Let's go over and talk about 205 Live, Nick. We had Mike Kanellis and Drake mm. Maverick in their unsanctioned match this week. Drake Maverick getting back in the ring and actually wrestling. Not like the intergender match on Monday, which was kind of a quick joke. This was an actual full-length 20-plus minute match. Y'all remember and Spud, right? Yeah, if you forgot, if you forgot that Drake Maverick is actually a really good wrestler, if you done forgot, go check out 205 Live this week. This match was awesome. And if you don't know, now you know. Now you know, man. This was fantastic. Hot fire. Uh, But it looks like afterwards, Drake said, nope, I'm going to go back and be the GM. I'm not going to be wrestling regularly. It's just kind of a once once in a while thing, which is unfortunate. He did pick up the win here. Uh, with an acid drop, Spike Dudley, shout out, acid drop off of the top rope on Mike Kanellis reversing uh, what looked like was going to be some sort of powerbomb. But yeah, great match. Highly recommend to check this out. As we often do at 205 Live, uh, it was a great show. I really hope um, this this gets absorbed into NXT at some point. Like We were, we were debating last week that if, if NXT goes to FS1, they could extend it an hour and bring 205 Live into this and just absorb it, consolidate. Man, I hope that's the case. I really hope they do that. Or they make a two-hour show of it or something when they go to FS1. Yeah, just, you know what I mean? It's so good, man. Yeah. They, and they're, they're doing a fantastic job with a lot of these guys. Even though some of the other stuff that was going on was eh, it was just kind of there. Like, for example, we had uh, uh, Kira Tozawa and Canella, uh, excuse me, Brian Kendrick versus the Singh brothers. It was fine. Lindsay Dorado and Arya Davari. It was fine. Um, and we had a little segment where Drew Gulak doesn't have a SummerSlam opponent. All that was fine. Because the main event was just so damn good. Um, and they do a lot of good builds for the main events. So right now it's rumored only Lorcan versus Drew Gulak at SummerSlam. Mm. Are you in? Uh, that's a very difference of... That's a opposite ends of the spectrum of styles. Do you think so? Because I think Gulak's been going t- more towards like the hard striking, like gr- like gritty mush, like mush mouth kind of... Not mush mouth. Mush smash mouth. mouth. Smash mouth. Smash mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Sasha Banks, him in the mush. Smash Mouth, Smash Mouth style of a uh, wrestling match. Uh, do you think like that's? Because I think that's what we're going to see if we see Lorkin Gulak. I think it's going to be a slobber knocker. Oh hell yeah, it will be just running so, uppercuts into the corner. Yeah, I, I expect we'll get all kinds of stuff, and even Lorkin has some great submission moves as well. So that could be a fantastic sure match. So yeah. yeah, I'm all in on that one. Yeah, and it would make. Uh, I don't think Lorkin's winning it, so it would make Gulak look very legit. Uh, if he had this match with Lorcan. So yeah. give it to me. Nick, it is time. Mm. It is time. You guys strapped in. You got a fresh drink. You ready to go? Because it's G1 yeah. time. Everybody, if you're not comb, caught up. Take a deep breath. Comb your hair. Yeah. Because it's time to talk about New Japan. And it's time to talk about the G1. 
we uh, so <clears throat> if you don't know new japan is booked by gato and if you didn't know gato was a genius then this week was evidence of his genius because over the course of two days he went from having everyone convinced that two guys were going to run away with this tournament to setting everything on fire and everything being insane. We went from thinking Kazuchika Okada was going to dominate A block, which it still looks like he is, to being actually kind of vulnerable at the top. He wiped out, he has eliminated half of the field in A block, but half of the field is still very much in this. Whereas in B block, with one match and one loss, we have the very real possibility that over five guys could tie at the end of B block. They could be tied which because, because one match went down weird. Uh, unreal, dude. The, it's the, like all of uh, B block has the same points except for like two guys. They, yeah, three it's guys. Absurd. Yeah, Or three. Well, or, let's, yeah, let's, three. Let's, let's, let's break it down here. A block. Okada beat Archer on night 11. By doing that, he has mathematically eliminated Osprey, Archer, Fale, Saber, and Sonata from contention. He's won so many. He's got 12 points. That means that uh, Fale with two, Saber with four, Sonata with four, Osprey with four, Lar- Archer with four. They're all out. Evil has six, so he's barely hanging on. But basically, everyone has to lose, and he's got to win everything for him to. Uh, Evil's pretty much out. Um, so. This is this is I've got to bring up all of my spreadsheets and everything. Like this is this is like <laughs> I could just see is, that uh, that picture of what's his name on there. It's always sunny with his, uh, with yeah, his yo- yeah. red yarn. It's, in- <laughs> it's what it looks like over here. All all of my G one notes for all this stuff. It's stupid. Um, all right, <clears throat> so so evil uh, still has to face Okada. Yeah, he's not beating Okada. He's not beating Okada. He's not beating Okada. Evil's got Evil's got to face Archer, Okada, and Osprey. That said, I never would have said Toru Yano was going to beat Naito, but he did. But he did, yeah. Toru Yano, didn't I warn you when we were doing our G1 preview? You were like, oh yeah, Toru Yano probably make two or four points. I'm like, no, no, to- no. Toru Yano is the great spoiler. Toru Yano is the great burner of blocks. He's the one that destroys your pickums. And sure enough, that son of a bitch did it again this year. Uh, but we're still in A block. We're not talking about okay, him yet. Okay. Oh, we'll get to him. Oh, we'll get to him. So, yeah. So, we've got half the field out. Okada still has to face Evil, Ibushi, and Sonata. Um, Kenta, who's still in contention with eight, has to face Bad Luck Fale, Saber, and Osprey. Right. So, all of those guys are reasonably beatable. Ibushi, probably the biggest challenge for Okada. Uh, I think that Kenta should be able to go. Uh, and, of course... I think Kenta should be able to go through Fale, Saber, and Osprey pretty safely. So he's only four down on, on Okada. So he might be able to come back with that. Ibushi, on the other hand, has to face Okada, Zack Saber Jr., and Tanahashi. So Ibushi's got an uphill climb to even be in this at all at this yeah. point. Whereas Tanahashi has to face Ibushi, but and he's got to face Fale and Osprey, who are very vulnerable right now. Yeah. So Tanahashi actually could go back to, like, he could actually still be in this and face Okada in the A block finals. Um, okay. Or he could, he could, he could at the end of all of this, he might be able to actually tie Okada and then Okada has the tiebreaker obviously from the first match. So that theoretically could happen. Um, and I, and just for, for giggles and shits, I said, I figured out how, what evil has to do here. Evil has to beat Okada, Kenta, 
and Ibushi and Tanahashi has to lose everything. Yeah, that's not happening. Everyone's going to lose it. No, no, evil's out. So that's A block. Okada still looking like he's on top, but a little bit vulnerable depending on what Ibushi, Kenta, and Tanahashi do in the next couple of nights. Yep. Over in B block, however, John Moxley, undefeated since he left WWE, has now been defeated by Toru goddamn Yato. It was, it was a count out victory. He was counted out. Oh, and the look on his face. So now Moxley has 12 points, and pretty much the entire rest of the B-block field has six points. Ten points. You said 12, I think. So ten John points. Moxley has 10 points. Excuse yeah. me. Thinking of Okada. Everyone else in B-block has six points, except for Taichi and Shingo Takagi, who are mathematically eliminated. So Taichi and Shingo out. Bye. But Jay White, Jeff Cobb, Goto, Naito, Toru Yano, Ishii, and Juice Robinson are still completely 100% in this, and they are all masters of their own destiny. And we don't have time for me to go over all of the math I did to figure out who could still get into this, but I will put it this way. The likely people to win this still, the likely people to, to be in contention with Moxley for the finals are Naito and White. I think that's just conventional wisdom, right? Jay White, Tetsuya Naito, they're still very much in this. Uh, Naito still has to face Jeff Cobb, who's very beatable. He has to face Shingo Takagi, who's also LIJ. If he can't beat an LIJ member, why is he the leader of LIJ? And he's got to face Jay White on the last night of the tournament. And that's important because that's always when the things go really go down is on the last night. And if Naito and White are tied at the end and the winner could potentially beat Moxley, that could go. be very dramatic. That could be Gato booking right there. Um, so Moxley at this point is very vulnerable. One loss, he's suddenly very vulnerable. He must win one match and tie one match to take the block. That's where he's at right now. He's got to win at least two. Who are his remaining opponents? This is where it gets scary. Because I, I want to put it out there right now. I'm still on the Ibushi Naito train. <laughs> oh, dude, that's, it's, that's still mathematically possible, Nick. It is still possible. It's it is still not out of the question. Possible. Uh, but still, I'm going to ride that train off the cliff. I still think Ibushi Naito in the final. It could still happen. It could still happen. But no, Moxie's got to face Goto. Juice Robinson on the last night. And he's also still has to face Jay White. So if he, if Jay White does some skullduggery and ties Moxley, and then everyone expects Robinson to get his win back on the final night, that's a tie and a loss. If, or sorry, if he loses to White and then beats Robinson, depending on what happens with Goto, that's the entire tournament right there. I think he loses to White and Robinson. Right, and Robinson, then, then, then Robinson gets his title opportunity because, and of then it. he's vulnerable. He's and very he's vulnerable. vulnerable. And then and Naito wins, wins the B block. If White, well, or White could win his other two. He could yeah. beat Naito. Yeah, no, White. Because think about it, White could beat White's Naito. Not win out, and he could he could beat Juice Robinson as well. If White beats Robinson, Naito, and Moxley, he wins. If Moxley doesn't win, uh, at least against Goto or Robinson, I don't think Jay White's going to win out. I don't see that happening at all. Uh, talk to me about Naito. Who are Naito's remaining matches? I don't point? know. I could see White in the finals. I really could. That's what. Don't don't do it. that. That's what I did last I'm year. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, evils evils in another block now, though, dude. There's no there's no way out for him now. No, th that's what I'm saying. This is. This is madness at this point. There are so many possibilities. We went well, right when you thought that Moxie was running away with it. Toriano comes around and screws everybody up. Well, humor me. 
Humor my train that I'm riding. Who are Naito's remaining three? Naito's remaining three are uh, Jeff Cobb, very beatable. Beatable. Shingo Takagi, as I said, LIJ. Why are you going to? And then Jay White. So Naito, baby. Let's go. Naito. Naito! But that's what I'm saying. He's going he's gonna to beat Cobb. <laughs> he's going to beat Takagi. It means that it could come down to him and White on the last night. If Yeah. And if White beats Moxley and, or ties him and beats Robinson, White could be going in also uh, with 10 points. B block is nuts. B block is nuts. It's basically what it comes down to. Hop on board the train, kids, because this is insane. If you don't watch New Japan and you have just sat through all of this madness that we've just went over, this is the difference between the booking in WWE and New Japan. Is WWE talk about what people are thinking, how their performances are, uh, you know, how the match supported the story. In New Japan, it's like sports teams. It's like how so-and-so's got to beat so-and-so, but they had this problem over here. It's, it's much more of bracketology, and it, it can get nuts. It can get nuts. And it's, so, it's honestly, for me, as a, bra- like a guy who gets really into this kind of stuff, it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Plus, once you actually watch these, they're all fantastic matches. We had a bunch of fantastic matches over the last few nights. Uh, Archer versus Ibushi. Ibushi had to... Kamagoye him twice to put him down. That was awesome. Kenta Okada was awesome. Call back to the the very famous, uh, some of the fa- famous matches with Okada and uh, um, Shibata, where at the end Kenta was open hand striking Okada in the face, and it was just absolute brutality. That was a fantastic match on night nine. Uh, night ten we had Ishii versus Juice Robinson. Ishii, by, as always. The MVP of this G1. Just go watch any of his matches. Awesome. They're all good. They're all good, including um, as, yeah, as I said, Ishi Robinson. Um, we there was what what other, another good match? Osprey, Osprey and Saber just had an absolute lights out match. Fantastic, as you would expect from those two. Yeah, and then last night we had Ishi Goto, which was uh, as it always is a slobber knocker. Yeah, just hoss fight. So lots of good stuff. Evil Tanahashi was really good. Evil Tanahashi, that was a good match. So much good stuff. Mm. So lots of good stuff to watch if you are into the new Japan. Uh, well, for that, uh, I should also announce that for our August bonus episode, patrons, we're going to be doing some more for you this weekend. For our August show, once the G1 wraps up, we're going to be doing a full recap breakdown. Ian's going to get the red yarn out and oh show you how everything went down. That is going to be our August patron bonus episode. I may, I may lose my voice, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I may lose my voice. That's okay. It'll just be payback for you when you finally, finally deliver your your uh, booking this weekend, of 2019. It's coming, yeah. patrons. Heads oh, up. Oh lord, I'm bracing myself. <laughs> Got to buy another bottle of tequila for that. All right, Nick. Let's move on. That Ooh. was the G1, and it's and it's. I I I'm sweating. I'm actively sweating yeah. from the G1 segment. Oh, well, guys, it is that time to do our listener questions. And if you would like to get in on some of that action, you can send your questions in every single week for a very small contribution of $5 to our Patreon at patreon.com slash BWO. Any of those tiers, $5 and higher, you can send us in questions every single week, and we will answer them right here on the show, such as this one from Andy. Mm -hmm. Can you guys clear something up that has long bugged me? I don't What's know. I think you need medication for that. Oh, sorry. Andy likes to ask these questions to preface this that turn into kind of like bonus episodes. <laughs> Go ahead. What's the deal with CM Punk? 
<laughs> Why is he still over to the point that so many people chant his name or want him to come back? How is he any different than any other retired former champ? Andy, I don't, I don't know that I have the time uh, <laughs> in our weekly I, show I, I, to go into uh, this one. But I, there's I some summarize. simple answers. Yeah, go for it. Okay. I'll, I'll summarize. I'll summarize because that is definitely analyzing the CM Punk phenomenon is definitely something that we could take a long time to do because and there's, there's a lot of levels to it. There's a lot of complexity to it. Um, I think that there you could you could attack it from the aspect of the kind of the people's champ aspect of him where he was speaking truth to power in a time where a lot of fans felt disenfranchised. Um, I think that there's you know and also the way the WWE booked him for a while there where he was kind of avenging. Uh, the fans and what they wanted the booking to be, and also you know just the things that he was saying uh, were things that you just didn't hear in those times. Um, but I, I think that there's also the fact that he was in a very engaging and charismatic character. That's the stuff where you really get kind of the the typical former champ. He was very charismatic, larger than life. But what made CM Punk different was the fact that he was positioning himself as a uh, an, like an anti-authoritarian in an in a new way, in a fourth wall breaking way, in a more realistic way, and people connected to that at the time. And I think that the CM Punk chants aren't necessarily we want CM Punk anymore. They're more of a protest chant. Yeah, it's it's more what he symbolized because I think a lot of people have cooled on him because you know of of what happened with him in MMA and the fact that he got just roundly defeated twice. And I think a lot of people realize that his mouth was writing checks that his body just could not cash. And that as much of a badass as he presented himself to be in WWE, he really legitimately wasn't. Um, you know, he was a he was a punk kid who liked to talk trash and happened to be doing so in a medium that rewarded you for being a big character right. where you didn't actually have to go out there and genuinely fight. But uh, so I think that some of it's cooled off the luster is gone a little bit, but I think a lot of people still want him back because as far as pro wrestling goes, he can still be that guy that goes out there and talks trash in a way that people in pro wrestling want. And as a personality, he's still very functional. And if you support him by putting him in an environment where he doesn't have to genuinely fight and you can, you know, you can get him over in, in, in that way, put him over in that way, uh, he could still be worth money. That being said, just what we know about his real personality, I, I don't see it happening, and I don't know if it should happen because, no. you know, uh, yeah, I, I'm one of the people that's like, let him go. I, I, I'm, on the, I'm on the side of let CM Punk go. Yep. Um, but I definitely understand why a lot of people want him back. I just think that the people who want him back aren't doing, aren't, they don't, they, they're not considering things realistically. Agreed. Like what it would actually mean. I agree with you. It's just a protest thing. It's it's not that people actually want to see Phil back in the ring yeah. or with a microphone in his hand. As as good as it might be, it's more of a, we're a tired of this authoritarian bullshit. CM Punk, we're going to chant over the top of you just to be assholes because we sure. can. And I think there's some rose tinted glasses looking at at history when it comes to him right now. So yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, Andy, thank you very much for the question. Next up, moving on to Aiden, our newest patron from, from Ireland. He's fr I'm ah. not going to attempt it. You might be able to, but I'm not going to insult Aiden. I, don't, I wouldn't insult him by trying to <laughs> do an Irish accent. You can do a Scottish one pretty good, though. Eh, yeah. Still. Yeah. Go on. All right. Well, thank you very question. much, Aiden. Uh, just as a point of order, though, we do, uh, we do one question, but we will give you a pass this one since it's your first time. We'll, we'll give you a little treat. 
Uh, they are legitimately burying Goldberg on WWE TV. This is unique. So we have Goldberg versus Dolph at SummerSlam. I think it's fair to say Goldberg shouldn't knock his head on the door, avoid blood, couple of spears, very quick match, and win and retire. You agree, Ian? Yes. Yep. Goldberg should not yeah, mess up totally. SummerSlam match with Ziggler. Quick match and retire. Boom. Right. Yes. Done. Uh, Jimmy <laughs> Uso. Absolutely agree. Yeah, agree with that, too. Uh, Jimmy Uso. Um, I, I, could, I tend to share viewpoints here as far as this goes. Uh, I'm disgusted by this DUI. He says this is not funny. I know of people who have died by being hit by people under the influence. So do I. I was actually Same. hit head on myself by a drunk driver. Luckily, I was in a giant SUV, and it was more like a boom. Um, not so much for his car, though. Um, this is not funny. I know of people that have died by being hit. Yes. Uh, very poor on WWE's behalf. I believe Jimmy has a problem and should be suspended and forced to go to rehab six months with no pay. He could have killed somebody. Um, I, this one's a little personal to me. I have had friends. In high school, I had a friend that died uh, by... Uh, not only he was in a car with someone that had been drinking. And as teenagers, you don't make the best decisions. So he got into a car with somebody that was really drunk. Uh, they went around the wrong turn. And instead of turning, they went straight off the road and head on into a tree at about 80 miles an hour. It sucks. It's one of the worst things in the world uh, to find out the next day at school. Um, I, I completely agree that I, I don't know if it should affect I think it's not WWE's responsibility to criminally punish him, although normally what happens in the workplace, whether you're a contractor or not, is that you are suspended until things are settled. We did this with Rich Swan with the domestic violence case. They suspended him, arguably with pay, I believe, until they settled his thing, and then they excused him, and he left. So I don't think Jimmy Uso should have been out wrestling this week. Uh, I agree with you there. I, it it kind of frustrates me the, the WWE, but this is not new. So I I don't know what to think about here. I know exactly what I would do if if I were Vince or if I were the head of creative or uh, talent relations. Would you would you do what he's suggesting, which is suspend him for six months and fine him? I would say I would at least suspend him until he got hit, done with his court stuff. He's going to have to go. This is not his first DUI. That means he's going to have he's going to get his license suspended. He's going to have to do probably 30 days in jail. He's going to have to do all kinds of stuff. Or his or his first altercation with the law. I mean, earlier early this year we had the incident where he actually, you know, stepped up the cops when Naomi got pulled over. So, yeah. Uh yeah, he yeah. does not need to be wrestling right now. Uh, he needs to go handle his shit. And if he needs to yeah. be forced to do that by WWE, then that's what needs to happen. So, so Butters just said this is three strikes. I know that's a year suspension, and you're doing jail time for 30 days minimum. So why is he on TV? Uh, because it depends on how the DUI itself was handled, and I'm trying to really quickly see how the if it was dismissed or you know like if he was just pulled over and had it thrown out or what it was. Uh, I'm not finding anything about what legally is happening with him right now. I do know this. Um, WWE doesn't always work quickly. No, there is reported a lot of backstage disappointment with him and that is becoming a pattern when you have someone who it seems to be that drinking of all of the things, uh, when it comes to WWE is the least frowned upon. Uh, if you look at Alicia Fox, she's still involved. Uh, JBL, there's a lot of people who have drinking incidents and they kind of, they work through them. 
Um, Stone Cold was out last week bragging about getting hammered with Ric Flair and all the the, the Godfather and all the guys, you know, and and oh, Ron Simmons. Well, again, different eras entirely. I'm it's talking about the, the modern culture, era right now. You know, it will be. It was, but again, we're in a different culture now. And but I want to be clear know, and say that drinking in a hotel bar with some of your old friends is a lot different than driving a car while ex- intoxicated. Exactly. So there, you know, there may be time off for the Usos coming, and it may not be something that's happened yet. We don't know. Yeah. If WWE, has, if like all they're doing is a slap on the wrist, you're eating the pin and that's it. Or if they have other plans where they're like, okay, we're going to write you off TV for a while. Get your if, get your ish together. Yeah. Um, so until we really see how this falls out, if this is something, frankly, that gets swept under the rug, he eats a pin and that's all that happens. And then in six months, he gets another DUI or worse. Then this is absolutely going to be something that we're going to look back and say, WWE should have done something before. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I'm really unhappy with the fact that they're letting this kind of stuff slide. We don't know the whole story. We don't know uh, what his BAC was or if there were mitigating circumstances or what the deal is. But I, I have to say that it does feel to me like it's being taken too lightly. Yep. So. All right. Last but certainly not least from Aiden here. Uh, he says, I'm Irish. Uh, I love Becky, but I believe she's on the way down. She'll beat Natalia, but it won't tear the house down. The crowds cheer less and less. Sorry to say six months. I see her back where she was before the push, sadly. A match with Nia Jax might prolong it, uh, but she does nothing for me now. I think her outfit is bad, too. What are your thoughts on the current state of Becky Lynch, Sir Ian Dangerous? I'm not mad at her outfit. It's a, it's a, quite a bit better than her god-awful steampunk thing that she was. Yeah. Uh, but before, before this turns into nobody's watching wrestling, um, I, I would say this, that I, I agree in the sense that I feel like her she's, she's cooling off a bit. It does feel like that. I think that has to do with the opponents they're giving her. Um, I also don't feel like they're putting in her, her in a position to act like a badass in the way that she should be. Uh, if you look at how they're giving Kevin Owens opportunity to act like a badass or, um, or even Seth Rollins to a certain extent, I don't think they're giving Becky the same opportunities or they're having these muddled uh, quote-unquote badass moments like where she comes out and attacks Natalia and looks like a bully for doing so. It was, it was a weird, it felt weird. So I agree. I feel like she's cooling off a bit. I don't. I'm. I'm not saying that the writing's on the wall and she's doomed, um, but it's definitely not looking good. I, I think they can still pull her up. I think that there's definitely there's plenty of time to pull her up and uh, get her heat back. And and I, I think that there's still plenty of goodwill for her. Yeah. I don't think she'll ever go back to where she was before she punched Charlotte. I really don't think she will. Uh, too much has happened. Her perception has changed. She's now one of the top two women in WWE, if not the top one. I think it depends on the pay-per-view and the day. So, uh, you know, in that sense, I think her perception has changed fundamentally for the fans and for the organization. And I think if she starts cooling off too much, they're going to take some drastic measures with her. You can trace. So. You can trace the beginning of the fall back to the Nia Jax punch at Survivor Series. That's the beginning of the rise. What do you the the beginning of the fall was her losing one of the championships at WrestleMania. Frankly, it was the botched finish at WrestleMania, I think, and then immediately be losing the second belt and not being Becky two belts for longer. 
would nope. be my opinion. I'm going to disagree with you there. The beginning of the fall was the Nia Jax punch at Survivor Series. She was not able to compete. She was not able to continue to build. That have, was part of her legend. What do you? That was she only I, got can hotter I, and hotter. Can, to, can, I, can I finish? Can I, can I finish? Huh? Huh? And oh, then, you're so wrong. And then what they did with inserting Charlotte into the whole thing, you know, post Oscar, post TLC in December. Uh, and then a post Royal Rumble, the Royal Rumble thing was great. I thought that was the moment where they were going to rise it back up, and then they insert Charlotte into the whole thing. And yeah, you had Becky two belts at Mania, but even then, by that point, it was already flat and downhill for me. It, it needs, it needs something. And I'm going to say, I'm going to go on a stretch here and say, it needs to be something that's not Charlotte, not Oscar. It needs to be it, Shayna it, Baszler. I mean, it, it could be. I was going to say Ronda Rousey if Ronda ever comes back. <laughs> or we got, well, we I'll got even at least give you a stretch left. and say it could be really good with Nia Jax if they tell the story right and make it about the punch at SummerSlam and that she never got hers back. I've come back to break your face again? No. And I'm, I'm going to punch you? No? Not a fan? I'm like, hi, Becky. I've come back. And like, I'm not like most girls. No, maybe, maybe we make you sing the Nia Jax theme song if, if we I'm get just to a thousand. <laughs> I, I know you can see it. That's why it hurts. Yeah, the, the Becky thing is hard, man. I think everybody's got a different opinion on it. I think everybody has different fandom levels around it. I, I just, I, I'm at a point now where it's kind of like, huh? Okay, she's still champion. I mean, hey, by the way, do you know she's dating Seth Rollins? No, what? I had no idea. Uh, actually, our, our our chat is weighing in, and okay. it seems like everyone actually has a different time for when they're they're losing it with with like where they feel like she started on the downhill skid. Uh, some people are saying it's post WrestleMania, uh, like you said, the Seth relationship, Lacey Evans, Esmeralda Soto says it was when she got the belt or the belt belts, which was which is kind of. I think it's shortly after that. I think it's when she lost the second belt. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think everyone has different times. I personally think when she got punched by Nia, people still make shirts of that, of, of her covered in blood. Like that was a huge moment for her. It was. But let's also let's also step back here and before we get too crazy about this and realize that wrestling is not just week to week or month to month. It's year to year. And Becky's going to have a long story here, I feel. And you know, even if it's it's easy to go back and look and say that Bret Hart got successful overnight, Stone Cold got successful overnight, Undertaker got successful overnight. They had rises and falls, and they had periods where they cooled off as well along sure. that path. So it's very, I, I think it's likely that they could turn this around, and Becky just needs to find a new person to feud with, a new catchphrase, a new attitude, some sort of moment maybe to recapture people's imagination. I don't think that she's fallen so far that people are ready to just dump her or just don't or not care oh, about her. No, anymore. no, 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 no. Wasn't implying that at all. Uh, I, I agree with you. There's ebbs and flows for everybody, and I think she's in one of the kind of the valleys right now, and she's probably going to peak again. You know, I, I expect yeah. her to get end up in a leadership position going into Survivor Series here in a few months. Sure. There's I'm a lot speaking to, to Aiden, speaking to Aiden, saying that she's on the way down and saying like she may be, but I don't think that this is going to be a permanent thing, and she's doomed. I, I think that there's yeah. He's going to be a long time staple of of WWE. Exactly. Thank you very much, Aiden, for the questions. Thank you for become, being our newest patron, and uh, welcome to the army. Appreciate it. 
Uh, next up, we got Esme Standin Bear. Mm. Uh, everyone talks about top guys. And Revival. WWE, yeah. Oh, wait, F- what? FTR. And how WWE doesn't really have a definitive top guy. Or once they become champion, WWE kind of fumbles the ball so that they then cool down. In your opinion, what is the perfect recipe to make one someone king of the mountain and to keep them there? Uh, the Rock. Wow, um, that is also that could that's a whole bonus episode right there. How do you make the king of the mountain in WWE? What is what is um, the uh, the archetype? If you could assemble one in a in a, in a factory. Well, I mean, if if you ask Vince, it's have them win everything. Yeah. But I, I would argue that that has only brought him people booing Cena and Reigns one after the other. Um, and in the case of Stone Cold, it just kind of, you know, lightning in a bottle, really. But uh, this is a tough question because it has not just to do with the person who you actually make the number one guy or girl, but also the perception of the fans, you know, the culture at the time. And the fact that WWE, frankly, is scared of taking the bridle off of some of their people because Vince in the past has had people in WWE who got bigger than his company and left. And if there's one thing that he's terrified of, it's having his independent contractors exercise their independence and leave him. So he doesn't want people who are not loyal to get bigger than the company. Yeah. Unfortunately, that also breeds a kind of cookie cutterness to the top of the card because they all have to fit into Vince's mold of what a top guy should be. Um, so the the problem here is that if if Esme is going to define this as a WWE top guy, that's a very different thing than say a Lucha Underground top guy or a Impact top guy or a New Japan top guy. Okada held on to a belt for two years, over two years, and very few people had a problem with it because of how they booked him. Asuka. Um, yeah, or Asuka and NXT. You know, it's it's possible to have someone have a long title reign and people not get sick of them. Yeah. Um, or, or at least understand why they've had a long reign. But that's not something that they do necessarily on the main roster unless it's Brock and then... He's a different animal than a top guy. He's, I would say that when we refer to the you know, quote-unquote top guy, we talk about people like uh, Hogan or San Martino or Cena or Austin or Reigns. Those are people that WWE would consider, quote, top guys. They're number one dudes. So that's a very different element than most other companies just because of how Vince thinks of his company now. So uh, – it's, it would be hard to, much like the CM Punk thing, it's hard to whittle that down in the time, limited time we have on this show. Yeah. Um, but definitely in terms of the people that Vince considers top guys, you need to be able to talk a blue streak on the mic. And that's something that Roman actually unfortunately kind of failed at. Big was time. that he didn't really have that mic. So those mic that's skills. his missing link. That's his one Cena, thing. Cena, I would argue, would be the closest thing to a, pardon the pun, prototype that... Uh, that really they ever had. I mean, he had, he kind of had all of the aspects that they really wanted. He could, he could murder on the mic, murder on the mic. He could work a decent wrestling match. He was the, the kids loved him. He, you know, he could do the say your prayers, eat your vitamins thing, 
the guy was a workhorse. He was one of the only guys in the company who was there at the same time as Vince and left at the same time as Vince, who could keep that schedule regularly. And that's something that people don't that they don't think about or forget about is you need to be an absolute monster when it comes to motivation and when it comes to your schedule. Um, you need to be able to keep up with the old man, basically. So there's a and I'm I'm sure I'm missing a bunch just because we're running out of time here, but. There's a lot that you need to have just to even be able to fit into Vince's mold of what a top guy is. And that's even before you even get over with the audience and creative gives you a program that doesn't take the rug out from underneath you and make right. Vince lose confidence in you. Yep. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's a brutal position to be in. My answer is simple. You said Cena, I say The Rock. It's, whether he's heel or face, whether he's tweener or not, The Rock. The Except rock, the, the Rock is the prototype for me. Well, uh, when, when you again, and it and it prioritizes the reason I say that it prioritizes exactly what you said. Be an right. absolute monster on the mic. Have catchphrases that can go on every piece of merch possible. They will put the belt on you, and you can you're six five six six and have some bulk to you. You're a big enough guy to be believable, and you actually absolutely destroy everybody, including all of the backstage hands, uh, the com- the interviewers with you know Michael Cole interviewing The Rock in the late 90s might be some of the best TV ever. Just making yeah. fun of his frosted tips and do it just tearing it just awesome. Calling Kevin Kelly Hermy, really? Yeah. Was that was that a highlight? Yeah. I'm just saying. Um no, but the problem with the rock was he wanted to go be a movie star. He didn't want to be a pro wrestler. And Vince that's something that Vince can't have. He ha- yeah, I agree. The Rock prototypical. He's the perfect WWE uh main eventer. More so than Stone Cold. Right, except that he wanted to go be a movie star, and he succeeded. And that's why he's known he as Dwayne now Johnson now, the highest-paid movie star in Hollywood. I mean, yeah, the dude's a that's star. That's legit. And Vince felt him slip through his fingers, and he's also and he one goes, of the hardest-working men in Hollywood for the rest. Dude, just keep an eye on his social media. That guy is relentless. I don't even think he sleeps. I don't think there's no way he sleeps. <sighs> anyway, Up at four a.m. to. Work out, yeah. Esme, thank you very much uh, for the question. Next up, we got yes. Jacob. Uh, with the addition of Fandango to NXT, it seems more and more misused main roster talent are heading there. Who would you like to see get called back, and what program would you put them in? I don't see anyone who's come down from the main roster except for Breezango, except for cameos. Like they've had a couple of cameos, but they're the only guys who've come back as roster guys. Went back, they went back in the NXT roster. Well, Killian Dane. Yeah. Um, but did, was he even really on the main roster? No. Uh, two, <laughs> twice, maybe? Was he Was he really on the main and roster? We couldn't see him because they wouldn't stop shaking the camera. So. Ay, ay, ay. But, uh, yeah, I think, though, if you're on the main roster and you're an Apollo Crews or someone like that and you look at what they're doing with Breezango already and the reception that they're getting... Yeah, not as big of an audience, but my God, you go from being a very, very small fish in a very, very big pond to being a very, very big fish in a very, very small pond overnight. And I can imagine how that would be tantalizing. Plus, if you can really get your momentum, there it is again, your momentum going again in NXT, you might be able to go back to the main roster with a different kind of cachet. Because remember, all these guys had kind of botched debuts on the main roster. What if you could have a second chance? That's got to be tantalizing. This is hard you for know. me to say. Uh-oh. I think Heavy Machinery came up too early. I think they could no. have been NXT champions. NXT tag yes, champions. Yes, they could have, but they've also been used 
fairly consistently on WWE TV so far. True. I'd say of all of all of the NXT call-ups in the last six months, they're in the top five percentile of people who actually had stuff happen for them. Now, granted, they're doing the Bushwhackers thing, but at least they're doing something. They're not AOP. The question was, uh, who would you like to see come back down? Oh, right. That was the question. Sorry. <laughs> who would you <laughs> who like, would to, like see to see get called back, back and what program would you put them in? I would, I would bring Heavy Machinery back and have them uh, win the NXT ta- Tag Championships. I would say AOP. But, um, oh, yeah, that too. Well, That's I mean, even if, better, they honestly. if they hadn't honestly, if they hadn't already broken up Sanity, I would have said bring Sanity back down and have them. But, you know, Nikki's already doing something and they got Killian back down there. So they already kind of did that for me. Um, trying to think who else is, well, I mean, Alistair, I, like we said, I think Alistair will be fine. They're just completely doing the wrong thing with him, but he'll be fine. Um, I mean, Apollo Crews, I think needed more time down there. Yeah. I think he, I think he's someone who they could bring back down, especially with the talent they have working down there. Apollo would be my pick. I think if I Hmm. really, if I really sat back and thought about it, I think Apollo is the guy who I think has the highest upside. Um, and if you gave him more time to develop a character, and had him put in some good work down there, I think he could go so much higher. Well, and then they obviously they had such high expectations for him, but they didn't give him enough time. So Apollo would be the one I would I would I would call out. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much, Jacob, for the question. Finally, last but certainly not least, Kane. Hey guys, so with NXT Takeover coming up, is it the time now to have Shayna Baszler drop her title and move to Raw to have a feud with Becky? Maybe not straight away or have little confrontations here and there to build a bigger build to a bigger pay-per-view. Everyone says there isn't anyone on Becky's level. And I reckon Shayna Baszler would be a killer person and super believable to beat or hang with the man. Also still super salty that McIntyre isn't going for the title yet. Him beating Brock would be awesome. P.S. I haven't watched wrestling this week because I'm super busy. So if my question is not relevant, please. Okay. That was very relevant. It was very I, relevant I think we touched on it. For someone that hasn't it. watched it. <laughs> it's very relevant. I, I absolutely think, I mean, we talked about this, Nick. I, I, yeah, I think, I think, I think Becky needs a Shayna or someone like that. A foil. Like someone who's, yeah. a, who's legit, a legit foil. We can go into a longer term program with, I think they had to bring Shayna up by, by survivor series at the latest, in my opinion. Um, just uh, otherwise we're going to have a situation like Aiden's talk about where Becky's going to continue to decline. I think one great way to bring her back is to give her a good opponent, a good opponent, excuse me. And, and Shayna is like kind of where Ronda Rousey was when she left, which is, you know, evil MMA chick only she's way more evil and believably so. Yeah. So, and just have these two tear each other apart. (laughs) Yep. Sold. Sold. Absolutely agree. Yep. Completely agree as well. Thank you guys very much, Kane, for the question, and thank you all for your questions uh, every single week. We love them here. Again, reminder that we will be making a bit of a transition in October, but until then, we're doing them right here on the show. If you'd like to get yours in for now, uh, patreon.com slash BWO. Yes. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers. It is the best way to get access to some exclusive stuff of the Busted Wide Open podcast that you can't get anywhere else. Patreon.com slash BWO. But Ian... Whoa, God, we're just about done. We actually finished okay. closely on time this week. Woo! Oh, yeah, right. But uh, we've got just enough time for our other news. Lightning round! Beep, 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 Lightning beep, round! Beep, beep, okay. Beep. All right. Here we go. Uh, on the top, i got to talk about the fact that Jerry Lawler is filing a wrongful death lawsuit against Hardeman County, uh, Hardeman County Sheriff John Doolin. 
and others who were involved for the for the death of his son Brian Lawler. Uh, he was who died last year. Uh, Jerry is seeking three million dollars in compensation because he says that the the numerous failures of the county and its employees that resulted in the wrongful death of his son. Uh, uh, you may recall that uh, Brian was found hanging from his solitary confinement cell uh, after being picked up for drugs, drug violations. Um, and Lawler is saying that he had spoken directly to the sheriff, the arresting sheriff and the staff and said, keep an eye on my son. He's not well right now. He's having some dep- a depressive episode. His meds aren't working. Keep an eye on him. And apparently there was some, um, some studs, um, that were in the ceiling that they hadn't filed down, um, th- uh, some bolts and he was able to hang himself by his shoelace. Although Jerry Lawler still believes that he was not actually, he didn't actually suicide. Something else went on because he had a wound above his eye and there's some other mm. screwy things going on. But, uh, so yeah, Jerry Lawler suing Hardeman County and the Hardeman County Sheriff for the wrongful death, death of Brian Christopher. Uh, Chris Van Vliet and Marco Stunt have signed with AEW. Chris Van Vliet and Marco Stunt to AEW! You heard it here nearly first. Uh, yeah, so they have... We got Marco Stunt, who is I can only really describe as a five-year-old boy <laughs> looking looking wrestler. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so he got signed. He's very he's very entertaining. Um, I've seen him live. He's actually he's quite entertaining. But uh, apparently Gunnar Miller, who's also a pro wrestler and former football player, not a fan, said that uh, said online that he has been working in pro wrestling for years and years and years. And can't believe that this kind of crap is what people actually want these days. And everyone proceeded to shit on Gunnar Miller's head. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what have you done, Gunnar? Uh, so, yeah. So, Chris Von Vliet is also an interviewer. He'll be an interview with AEW. So, a couple of good signings there. Speaking of signings over an Impact, Tennille Dashwood, a.k.a. Emma, has finally signed with Impact. She's no longer with Ring of Honor, which is probably the best thing. Because Ring of Honor, the rats are leaving the sinking ship. And Impact... <laughs> Tennille Dashwood in Impact is a great thing. Their women's division is fantastic over there, so she will get the chance to show off her skills. And before Tessa Blanchard, and before Tessa team, Blanchard, Tennille versus Tessa, uh, put it in my eye holes. Uh, Joey Ryan, who we mentioned a lot in the show. Well, there's another reason to mention Joey Ryan this week because his match with Miranda Ali's for the Queens of the Ring promotion has nearly 10 million views. On YouTube. Wow. That is insane. Just for comparison, like high numbers for WWE segments are around three to five million. <laughs> so this is insane. Now, granted, I went and looked at it just to see what was going on. There's a lot of Indian comments. I suspect this they've kind of farmed this out to to the and and, and the frankly, this is also <laughs> click farms, perhaps a little bit, a little bit sure. of click farming going on there. Um, and also this is a match where Joey Ryan actually has a lollipop stuck up his butt. Uh, it's a, it's a Joey Ryan match. It's a Joey Ryan match. I'll put it that way. So, uh, but 10 million views. So good dude. Good for Joey Ryan for a guy who consistently gets put down, uh, by some of the old schoolers in wrestling. The dude finds a way to make that money and get those views. So props to him. Uh, Walter versus Tyler Bate has been confirmed for Uh. NXT UK Cardiff, August 31st. I've seen Walter versus Tyler Bate before. Never for the UK title, obviously. I cannot wait to see them go at it again. 
he's going to cave the poor boy's chest in. That is filet mignon of a match right there. That's mm. mwah, mwah, with butter, extra steak butter. Uh, King Cuerno, although otherwise known as El Hijo de Fantasma, mm. looks like he's heading to WWE finally in September. You may have seen him last in Impact over in uh, AAA. He is now going, it looks like, to WWE. So prepare to see him in September, and he will show people what a Tope Suicida really freaking is. Yes. That dude is awesome. Also, he's good, good, good English, so he could go a long way as a Latino star. So I'm excited I about that. I wonder if he'll still do that. Still do that uh, what was the thing where he shot the arrow? Yeah, the arrow from the depths of hell. His, his Tope Suicida just went like halfway through the audience every time he did it. It was absolutely unbelievable. Uh, WCPW's Defiant Wrestling where we've seen some, at, by the way, some classic, classic matches, uh, is done. They, have, they are shuttering it after only four years of being in business, but uh, their archives are still up online. I think you can see it on YouTube or on their homepage. They had a lot of great matches. Some people who are now WWE superstars uh, did some incredible matches over there. So too bad Defiant was pretty decent while it was going. Uh, I think they got actually murdered because of because of YouTube and how it remonetized wrestling. That's when they, that's when the downhill slide really happened. Ah, uh, okay. Ad apocalypse. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, over at the PC this week, the Performance Center, there was a guest trainer you may have heard of. He's got a couple of fangs permanently implanted into his face, and his name was Gangrel. The viscous Gangrel, the, liquid. Yes, the viscous liquid. Uh, he was over there training people at the PC. I'm curious to see if he sticks around and becomes a full-time trainer. A lot of like old-school guys have been doing that, and, and I think Gangrel's got a good wrestling mind. So I know people who've gone through his school, and they say he's a fantastic trainer. So that's awesome. Good to see Gangrel's. One of my favorites, from, by the way, one of possibly the best entrance music and best entrance of all time in yeah. WWE. Throwing that out there, Gangrel. Uh, WWE has hired Ring of Honor's Chris Resnick if you don't know that name, he was the director and producer for TV for Ring of Honor for 10 years. And Ring of Honor actually did some pretty good solid TV. So WWE picking him up, I think, is a fantastic move. So welcome, Chris Resnick, to WWE. And finally, finally, Simon Gotch. Remember him, a.k.a. Simon Grimm, a.k.a. shoots hard on Enzo yeah. Amore. Remember that? that horrible? Well, he's back shooting hard on people. He just shot hard on Dave Meltzer when he was asked how many stars he thought a triple threat between him, CM Punk, and Elijah Burke would get. He responded, I don't believe in star ratings. Meltzer is an idiot, and the only thing, only smart thing that could come out of his mouth would be a bullet that entered through the back of his head. Oh! Well, now we know why a lot of people don't like to work with him because apparently he's a dick. And that's Dude, the news. Dude, that's too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, they, the, in the <laughs> good grief. In the words of Powers Booth, Simon. Well, bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sorry and Dangerous, for the lightning You're round. Welcome. Thank you guys for hanging out with us today on the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Thank you for hanging with us live audience here on YouTube through the technical difficulties at the beginning. Gonna get that stuff fixed up soon. Just trying to running on a, run it all this on a laptop just doesn't work out too well. Even though the command center looks big, it's it's all running off of a laptop until I get this giant rig built back here. But that's you got a starship. Soon. Got a starship running on an outboard motor. Right. Exactly. Right. It's, and it doesn't work out well as you like all witnessed at the boat. beginning of the show this <laughs> week. 
But we will get all that stuff sorted out. Do not forget to head over to the Gleam giveaway. I'll post a link in the show notes for this episode, uh, as well as down in the description below of the video here, uh, as well as if you're in the Facebook discussion group, you guys can see the announcement in there. We'll post it up across all the social medias on Instagram and Twitter. I believe it's all already out there while we were doing the show here. Uh, but be sure to, you've got till the end of August, right? Every time, every account that you confirm that you're following or subscribe to, you get five entries up for up to, I believe it's 25 entries into the grand drawing every single month. Uh, we're going to do, we're going to try it out this way uh, for the month of August and we may I, spice it up a little bit more as we go. All along. I know, Nick, cause I, I, I barely understand what you just said. Yep. All I know is go to this website, sign, like make sure you click all the boxes that you're following us on everything. You yep. get entered into a contest, you win prizes. Yes. That's all I know. That's it. And then if, if enough people do that, then you and I both have to sing the entrance songs of our least favorite wrestling superstar in the world. It, no, <laughs> they get merch. Hang on. They get they get merch once they get thrown into a, an entry entry for merch stuff, right? But if enough people we do have it, to, if we they enough, enough people do it, it's going to help drive the numbers of the YouTube subscriptions, right? If if we get to a thousand, that's when that happens. Oh, okay, yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Don't get yourself worked up. I'll I'll keep not, track of it and I'm let not, you know when you're in until trouble. Until we get to nine hundred, I'm not buying the Tai Chi mask yet. Speaking of which. Current status, we are, as of this show, 229 subscribers. All right, quarter of the we're, way there. We're twenty, almost 25% of the way there. We got 62 days to get it done if no, you no, want to no, no, hear no. Sir 30, Ian Dangerous. 30 days, 30 days to get oh. both of us. We have oh, to get both of us. Days. I'm not doing okay. this alone. I'm not doing this alone, Nick. Okay, all right. Well, I'll change the, uh, the goal on the video for next week to us. Uh, uh, end of August. We'll see what you guys can do in a month. All right. Uh, Jesus. Uh, imagine just imagine that says thirty two days instead of sixty two days. There you go. Uh, that's the uh, that's the part in in front of us. That's the uh, what we've got to overcome. Uh, guys, as always, be sure to sign up for the giveaways. Be sure to uh, follow us on the twitters and the instagrams. Uh, and the giveaway is a great way to do that. Uh, that way you can get some merch by doing so. But at BWO Podcast on both. And be sure you're in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. We say that every week. It's so much fun in there. We've got live chats coming up for uh, probably some G1 final stuff. We've got SummerSlam around the corner as well as TakeOver Toronto. All kinds of good stuff coming, so you want to be in the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. I promise you. Last but certainly not least, if you'd like to get in on some special perks, exclusives, you can get access to bonus episodes, show notes, the ability to ask listener questions, all kinds of good stuff over at patreon.com slash BWO. Uh, that is one of the best places to get extra things if you want some more BWO Woo. for your ear holes. Uh, let's see. Anything else we need to go over real quick, or can we get out of here? Nothing, just the fact that we got SummerSlam coming up in two weeks. The G1 final, or sorry, less than a, less than two weeks now, and the G1 finals coming up soon. We got a lot of shows to do coming up, Nick. We got a, if you're a patron, we got a bunch of bonus episodes coming your way. Yeah, good times. Going to be a fun August. And thanks everyone for hanging out with us. Yes. We'll be back very soon. We will. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude, and I am Surrey and Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Surrey and Dangerous. But Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.